2: And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Creech, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening?
0: We've been challenged to get through all of these topics in three Who hours. Who challenged us? People have challenged
2: all us. Oh, these people are dumb. We do it all the time. We, that, we, had a, we had a show two weeks ago that I was positive we were not going to be able to get through all the topics. And we fucking did it. So anonymous person straw man that joe has created you're going down we're going to get to every one of these topics every last one of them and more shit too i'm sure
0: well as long as we stay focused and you don't derail us with some kind of off-topic thing that you're prone to do i think that we can get <laughs> <Me>? through <laughs> well yeah
1: <laughs> wow okay
0: <laughs> you, you tend to drift off the topic sometimes which i'm fine with i go i'm a man who goes with the flow i'm a man who just i ride the wave where it takes
2: yeah you know okay All right. Yeah.
0: So, you know, but I think if we just have laser focus and, you know, you don't drive us off the path uh, down some fork in the road, then I think we can get to it. But there is a lot to get to. I mean, I'm looking at this run sheet and it is pretty daunting. I mean, we've got Hacksaw Butch Reed passing away. Uh, Two New Japan shows to review. Looking for you, know, castle attack is in like
2: 14. I know days it's before. so soon, it's so soon. New Japan is just hitting you over the head with these road 2 shows, the two, uh, three new beginnings, castle attack, two castle attacks. It's too much. We'll talk about it here in a bit. They are hitting you over the head with the, and like during the middle of the week, bullshit back to back on like a Wednesday and a Thursday. Like that's that's some nerve of these guys, some nerve of New Japan.
0: I think three Cork and show Cork and Hall shows happened since we started this. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> probably so one fun.
2: going on right now, yeah, as we speak.
0: And they're never good. Um, there's a takeover, believe it or not. Uh, Much to the
2: surprise week. of many people, my, myself included. So yeah, that uh, I was kind of perplexed when I went to watch NXT this week and they're pumping up a takeover. And I went, "Oh yeah, I knew that." So takeovers this weekend. So yes, we have a takeover to talk about.
0: There's an Impact special. Yes.
2: <laughs> I also definitely did not just realize that until I started making notes for this week's show at all. I definitely knew that uh, Impact Wrestling's No Surrender 2021 was coming up this particular weekend on a uh, Saturday, of course.
0: Noah is in either Sumo or Budokan. Where are they? Budokan. That's the whole, p-
2: the whole point of it. It's at Budokan. Yeah.
0: Listen, I get forgetful sometimes. Noah's in Budokan this weekend. Yeah, Actually, that's, that's the nation. The hours.
2: return. The return of Budokan all first time since uh, uh, Kent Kobashi's uh, final uh, match. The I think. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Yeah, 2013. I want to say if I have the date right. Yeah, last time since 2013.
0: called final burning or something.
2: Yes. Yeah. Final burning. I believe.
0: Yeah. Um. And then we're going to bounce around the Indies mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Indies to talk about, and none of them. Well. Some of Damn them, it, that's not true.
2: Some of them, of them yes.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say none of them are game changer wrestling, but that's not true. That's not. That, yeah. Um, but there will be some non game changer content. I know that uh, we watched a show. I got to tell you, it felt good to watch that show that we watched this week. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't we're, see we're gonna the whole
2: we're gonna lump yet. that into bouncing around the indies. I'm not sure if that yeah. like I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it, but uh, I don't know if I classify it necessarily as an indie, but I think it, it, it probably fits. Uh, in that topic, but yes, that was a very I'm refreshing, very refreshing show.
0: Why would why would MCW not be an indie?
2: I don't know. I, I think to me, when I think of indie, for whatever reason, right or wrong, I think of American indies. is 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 what I think of. And I think the other reason too is you know I'm watching that MCW show, and like the video quality is good, and like the cameras look like they were from the, the you know bought in the last five years, and it's hard to you know what I mean. Like it, to me, indie. Right or wrong, the connotation of a "quote unquote" indie it, it, it looks a certain way, and and it looks, you know, not not it doesn't look like that. It doesn't have good production values. It doesn't look good. The wrestlers all don't look like they care and and, and try or whatever. Uh, it's not a, it's not the fault of MCW. It's the fault of what I I currently in my brain when I think of indie, what I think of is, is not what I saw from NCW. But they are technically. I mean, they they are undoubtedly an indie but it, I, I don't know I have this mental block that to me when I think of indie I think of like sleazy fucking terrible production value American indies so
0: that's only because of the last two or three years right 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 that's what American indies are just they just have that whole dirtbag vibe to them yeah, I mean like that's just a tarp,
2: just... a tarp hung up on a wall type stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean, guys? Basketball yeah. short guys, you know it has it, it, got a whole yeah. And, and I said that's it's a me thing. It's not a them. Th- it's not an MCW problem. It's not even. I mean, there's American Indies that you know. I I, I recently was on that Pluto uh, wrestling channel because uh, cause occasionally I'll pop over to the Pluto and, and put it on to fall asleep, watch them unsolved mysteries or or something like that, and uh, they have that wrestling channel, they have the Impact channel, which is really good they used to have the AAA channel, and I don't know if they do anymore, yeah, fuck because that, that was an awesome channel to throw on at night yeah it, the only problem though is I would never fall asleep because there'd be like, i turn it on and there'd just be some random ass like hardcore match from like 2004 on and I'm like, yeah, hey, this is fucking awesome like, this is really cool, so I learned a lot of stuff but like, you know, I'd, I'd go and watch that wrestling channel and, and, and I was watching Defy Wrestling and obviously they have tremendous production values and don't look like a, a, a shindy so, uh, and they're undoubtedly an in indie so it's just, it, it's, it's a mental block that I have of, of considering things indies when, when, you know
0: No, MCW is undoubtedly an in indie I, I I think you're crazy but, um, but I get what you like you've been conditioned by the last two or three years of American Indies just yeah that whole vibe they put out but yeah it was refreshing I mean like you said good production values wrestlers that looked major league or you know major league ready um you know professional setup professional commentary very very refreshing but we'll get to that later in the show um We've got to start with Butch Reed. There's nowhere else to start here. I think that Rusty Brooks just died as well. I think that came across just before we started the show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we'll start with Butch Reed. He passed away, I think, right after we finished the show. I right? want
2: to say or, Friday morning Friday? is when I found out that he, he had passed away, but I guess the official the official day is February 5th. 5th, which would have been, yeah, would have been Friday. So maybe early in the morning uh, on the 5th or, or whatnot. I remember waking up uh, on, on Friday and, and, and finding out the news. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly when the day was, but the, the official day is, is, is February 5th. So, yeah, the day after we recorded last week.
0: So he had a couple of heart attacks early in the week. I think he was 66 years old. So um, he had been in some poor health leading up. And it, it, it came out on the day of his death that he was a huge fan. Powerhouse hops. Yeah,
2: that's how awesome is that? We should I, and that's the problem is like so often the the conversation around old wrestlers, retired wrestlers, semi-retired wrestlers is just hate. I hate this. This sucks. Oh my day! It, like we very very rarely hear of any of these guys that actually like and still watch modern wrestling and like enjoy certain people and can because they're 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 a wealth of knowledge and I really wish like the conversation could change a little bit and not just be, you know, old wrestlers, either rag on Dave Meltzer or just rag on, you know, like flips, y- y- you know, like it'd be really cool that we did, you know, reach out to more old wrestlers and say, hey, who do you like now? I don't want to hear about yada yada, 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 who, you, you, you hate this, this guy sucks, this, the business doesn't do this, yada, yada, who do you like now? Do you watch now and who do you like? Like, it would be really refreshing to hear that. And it sucks that we'd only heard about that Butch Reed loved powerhouse Hobbs after he died. And it's like, man, how long has Butch Reed been watching wrestling and just sitting there with nobody, you know, talking to him?
0: Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, telling his family that Powerhouse Hobbs is the next hacksaw.
2: Yeah, that's.
0: I mean, you know, that's really cool. And it is refreshing when old wrestlers can just enjoy what's going on in wrestling as opposed to tearing it down. And it sound like he was an old wrestler who kept up with with the modern product and wasn't afraid to put new people over. So that, that is cool. You know, Ricky Morton has that same kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it's uh, you know you see him on Twitter and, and he's always talking about the new talent and he's he's not bitter and jaded and he's not out there doing a podcast putting everybody down and um and I and I think that's great but uh, Butch Reed is a guy who I think you can break up his career into three distinct eras: you had hacksaw Butch Reed, and then you had the natural Butch Reed, and then you had Doom because once Doom broke up. And he had that singles feud with Ron Simmons at the tail end of his WCW run. That was really it for Butch Reed on a major league level. So, you know, Hacksaw early on where he was considered one of the better wrestlers in America. And really his best stuff would be the Ric Flair matches either in Florida or Mid-South. You get a hold of any of them, and they're all excellent. The Florida ones are probably really hard to to get a hold of now. And the Mid-South ones, you know, the TV matches are very easily accessible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of the big show matches maybe a little bit harder to, to find, but he wrestled Ric Flair a million times. I mean, and 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 Flair um, was quoted this week saying that he thought Butch Reed was a great opponent and a great wrestler. But that's probably the best of his work. And and I think a lot of people, depending what age you are, you know, those three eras of Butch Reed are what you're probably going to remember most. I think, you know, we'll talk about the hacksaw era in a minute, but. When he came to WWF as the natural Butch Reed with the bleach blonde hair and everything. There's a lot of parallels to post-prison Ken Patera, in my opinion, with the natural Butch Reed. Because he was physically shot mm-hmm. by the time he got to the WWF, Butch I, Reed was. I,
2: I think also, and, and and it's not like he was not in shape in in Mid-South, but I think he just added so much weight to his frame. In the WWF days, he's just fucking gigantic in the WWF, and I think that really, I mean, because that my initial entry point to, to to Butch Reed was WWF, and as the natural Butch Reed or whatever, and I was just like, man, this is you know, and I would hear people, I'd read stuff about how great this guy was, and I'd I'd watch him, and and like the WWF run, I've actually come to appreciate some aspects of it. Uh, from time to time, there are some matches that, that, that I have watched or I really, really enjoy it or, you know, some moments that I really do enjoy. and Doom, there's some stuff that I enjoy uh, as well because a guy like him is 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 unique when you go back and, and and watch him. But, you know, in the time, you know, watching it, you know, when I was first kind of getting into wrestling, getting into old wrestling, he just, he struck me as a guy who was just like, I, I always, I hear stuff that this guy was like, used to be really good, but I just don't see it very much. And he just, yeah, I, and, and, and going back and watching a lot of the old stuff, he was just a guy that, like you said, physically his body was kind of breaking down and I think it, it came in a bad, like, his as his body is breaking down from years of wrestling and years of football and that sort of stuff, he's also adding just like pounds and pounds of weight onto his frame, and eventually that just is not going to work. Your, your, your joints are just going to start, uh, you know, feeling it, and you're just going to start really physically breaking down. And that's I think what is most notable for me for Butch Reed is just how fucking huge he was uh, in that era, you know, muscular wise, and 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 how it really almost to the detriment of his career, but that was the style. That's what you looked like at those days, and it's hard to disagree that Butch Reed looked him, yeah, mean, he was one of the best, you know, bodies in the company. Uh, that, that'd carry over into Doom and, and, and you know, Jim Crocker Promotions as well.
0: I thought he was much bigger in Doom. I mean, that's oh, where he that's, really...
2: Oh, yeah, that's where he was just but, fucking, yeah. He just, he, that, I just He was I, inflated then. It looked like he just, you know, he, they attached him to a fucking helium machine and just inflated him. I mean, he was goddamn huge in Doom.
0: But by the time he got to WWF, he was physically shot. He had those knee injuries. And he wasn't good. That was not a good run. I mean, I've talked about that run many times. I always used Butch Reed as my frame of reference for bad late 80s WWF house show matches. I always would always say, oh, you know, if I always say, oh, that was like a 1988 Butch Reed house show match because I just have this. Burned in my memory him just throwing a headlock on a guy and sitting in it for seven minutes and then going to the finish. He was physically shot. And on top of that, the crew during those years was tired. I mean they really worked the rugged schedule at the time he was there at that time yeah that 86
2: 87 88 run if you want to really just like blow your mind like especially I think 88 is the one that anytime I go look at the schedule in 88 it is unbelievable I mean there is some Sundays and some Saturdays where they're literally running four shows on on one day like you know the A crew is working you know the afternoon and the night the B crew is working the morning and the late afternoon it's like Jesus Christ they had four shows going on in one one day And, and every day. I mean, this was not a. I mean, when when some of those guys exaggerate about how many times they're on the road or whatever, the reason we get annoyed about that is because like you can just give the real number and it's like the real number is ridiculous. Like, you know, they'll say, "Oh, I was on the road eight hundred times that year," and it's like, I mean, you weren't, but you're were on the road four hundred times. Like, that's still a big. Like, use that number. You know, don't you don't have to overinflate it? It's ridiculous. Just the real numbers is unbelievable at that time. Yeah, it, I think it's eighty-eight, eighty-seven. That is the year where they really just like they just go absolutely nuts absolutely nuts with the amount of shows they're running
0: it's around that time yeah 86 87 88 where they you know the double shots on the weekends and everything and at times they were running three crews as well yeah they oh yeah, yeah. Eight, the
2: sea crew of course yeah
0: they did have a sea crew yeah where you know it would be one main event match which sometimes would be like the tag team titles or something like that and then it would be filled out with your prelim and television jobber types, your Steve Lombardi's, your hillbilly gyms, um, people like that underneath Jose Luis Rivera. And they would run a C, they would run a C tour and it would be in small buildings. You know, they wouldn't put them in basketball arenas, but um, they put them in civic centers and places like that, and draw 800 to a thousand fans. So they were running three tours at once for a while. And that's the era that he was there. He was physically shot. He was tired. They were all tired. Um, and he just, honestly, wasn't that good on that run. And it's funny because I just went and watched that wrestling challenge dump that the network put up a couple of weeks ago. And it starts with the very first wrestling challenge in 1986, mid-86. And there's like three months worth of shows on there. And it's when Butch Reed debuts with Slick. And he comes out with the bleach blonde hair. And in his first match, he's announced as the natural Hacksaw Butch Reed.
2: (laughs) All of them. All the nicknames.
0: Yeah, and they dropped the, the Hacksaw part. I think it was just Mel Phillips knowing him as Hacksaw Butch Reed. I don't right, think he was right, supposed right. to say that because he was known as Hacksaw Butch Reed for a decade. And you know, the idea of the natural, well, the, you know, the, the, the heat was supposed to be – well, he's not natural. He's got bleach blonde hair. It's a black guy with bleach blonde hair. He's not natural. Um, I've heard his gimmick described over the years, and I don't know whether I agree with this or not. And I, I'd like your take. Some have said that the idea was because in his very first match on challenge, he gets one of them inset promos in the box
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and he immediately calls out Hulk Hogan because the idea was he was going to be programmed with Hulk Hogan because he came in with this reputation and being this big star in Mid-South and, and McMahon was just raiding Mid-South hardcore at that time. There, some of those episodes of Wrestling Challenge, it's like 90% of the guys are, were in Mid-South six months earlier. Dick Slater, Jake Roberts, Butch Reed. You know, you go right down the line like uh, you know, DiBiase and Duggan were coming in shortly thereafter at the end of 86. He just picked that roster apart. Um so he challenged Hogan right off the bat and with the blo- bleach blonde hair and the blonde tr- and and the uh and the yellow trunks. A lot of people think the original idea was that he was going to be like the heel doppelganger to Hulk Hogan.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bizarro world Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. With the name The Natural, like, you know, implying that he was all natural and his muscles were natural, his hair was natural, but obviously that was the heat. But because he was physically shot and he just couldn't get over and it just didn't work out, I don't even think he ever had that program. I'd have to look, but I don't think he ever had a sustained
2: program. with Ye- let, me, let me check real quick. I, I don't th- think so uh, as I was kind of going earlier this week yeah I think he wrestled him a few times here and there but not not certainly like the six-month house show loop with with Hogan I I don't think he did that
0: with a pay-per-view match at the end or something like nothing like that obviously and then you know later on in the run they were going to put the Intercontinental title on him. And this is a famous story that most oh, people wow. have heard.
2: They didn't work at all. Sorry, not, not to interrupt. They, uh, the they only go. time they ever worked a house show was late uh, December 87 and then February 88. And that's already years into his run there. So,
0: Just random one off house yeah, show. Yeah, just match.
2: nothing. Yeah, just a random house show match in, in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, and then another one a few months later in Pembroke Pines, Florida at the Hollywood Sportatorium. So.
0: Which, remember, and he came in and challenged him right off the bat.
2: Right. And, 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 and didn't get anything so, for four years, basically, <laughs> three or four years.
0: So, you know, they were going to put the Intercontinental title on him toward the end of his run, 88 ish, 87 ish. But there's is a famous story. Um, it ended up going to the Honky Tonk Man instead. And Honky Tonk Man obviously had a legendary Intercontinental run from there. Um, but, you know, he, he, he just wasn't the same as the guy who was tearing up wrestling and having all those great matches with Ric Flair because the injuries had just caught up at that point. And then he goes to WCW in 89. Doom, to me, incredible aesthetic. Um, the, the whole vibe of the team. Oh, it rocks. Legend- <laughs> Legendary walkout music. Great angle to introduce them with Robin Green and Rick Steiner having the crush on her. And it was all a setup. And then she turns out, you know, she's like this nerdy fan, and Rick Steiner thinks he's gonna bang, but then like it turns out it was all a ruse, and now she's like this uh, vivacious woman, and they just called her woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and then she's managing Doom and, and they're feuding with the Steiners, and Rick Steiner has his heart broken. So a great introduction angle, a great aesthetic with the masks. Everyone in the world knew it was Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, but that wasn't the point. You know what I mean? Like and, and they just they were jacked up but it th- th- the look and the aesthetic was better than the bell to bell. Yeah, because then the bell rang, and
2: then they were just kind of bad. So Because Ron Simmons at that time had no idea what he was doing. They basically, years removed from, like, a couple years removed from playing college football or whatever, and he's in there, you know, he was kind of learning on the job. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing that we always talk about with, you know, NXT, and I know you were tweeting about it earlier when, you know, Triple H is doing his, his calls and talking about, you know, guys in developmental and moving up, and it's just like, okay, God, Jesus Christ. Like, Velveteen Jr. has been there for seven years, guys. Like, you know, or Biff Busek's been there for, like, with it feels like six or seven years uh, as well. But yeah, like, yeah, Ron Simmons, it was like six months of training. All right, you're on TV kid. Like learn, learn on the job, like learn how to do it. So he was obviously not going to, uh, you know, be the, the guy that was going to lead that team. And then butch Reed at that time, like you're saying, this is already that I mean, this was four years after you're saying that he's physically shot and he's even yeah. bigger and he's got even more weight on him and he's got the WWF house show run on him. And, and yeah, so the bell rang. And uh, once that happened, uh, things kind of got lost, but uh, no, I'm right I mean, with I you. I, I love doom because I love everything about yeah. Doom. It's just then the match happens, and, and I can let go of it because, like, they, they obviously – there's there's some matches that are not good, but it's like at the end of the day, you know, you're there for for all the other ambiance about Doom and all the other ambiance of, of, you know, uh, especially the tag teams of that time. You got stuff with the – you know, they're doing stuff with the Road Warriors and stuff with the Steiners and stuff like that. That's really cool. Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich, I remember, I think they faced him at one of the Clash of the Champions. So there was, like, fun matches and fun matchups, but, yeah, with the bell the bell the bell was not, was not good at all, but that's all right.
0: I didn't think they were a bad team, but I don't think they're as good as their reputation 20 years on. No, Almost no, no. People look at
2: pictures on. and go, whoa, those guys are awesome. And it's like, ah, they—they were—they it was an awesome entrance and an awesome look. But yeah, they were not like yeah, the Road Warriors. Great, they were certainly not the Road Warriors once the bell rang.
0: Great presence, great look, great gimmick, all of that. Okay matches. Okay matches. Some of them, they, they, they peaked fairly high, but they weren't like some great bell-to-bell tag team. Um, and then they split up, and that was really the end of Butch Reed's major league career. Um, but yeah, the Hacksaw Butch Reed stuff is, you know, great promo, great wrestler. Um, the stuff with Rick Flair, I mean, um uh, you know, a little problematic, some of it, you know. Uh, you know, there's the one uh, mid South program they have where the whole setup, you know, Ric Flair calls Butch Reed a monkey. And then, you know, Butch Reed, the baby face, talks about beating women, like, to get a cheer. Uh, Like, so there's a lot of problematic aspects. Yeah,
2: Mid-South, if you're you're listening to this and you're one uh, of those uh, blue check marks that's about to... uh... Uh, rain on the W's parade on Peacock. Uh, Mid South is a great place to start if you want to do that. I would, uh, I, mean, I don't care. I mean, let's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's whatever, but like, um, it, it was the time. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, what are you going
1: to, yeah. But Mid South, I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Be, you know, beating your wife when you went home was, was not necessarily a heel tactic. There was, there was some episode I saw I the other day and he was like, yeah, I had to slap around the old lady. And everyone's like, yeah. I was like, oh, no. God damn it. Like, i forget yeah, who it was, I mean, but it was like not... a babyface promo as he was like rallying the troops he's like yeah if you get out of line you'll add you know well just like my wife when she gets out of line like i'm thinking oh man well, they're usually... gonna all boo him," and they're like yeah and i'm like oh all right usually the context
0: was usually the context was the heel would have a valet and the baby face would would have a line like um you know, let me tell you something. I've I've slapped around women when they got out of line, and I'm not past putting my hands on right, you right. either. Yeah, exactly. You know, and
2: then, and then we, you think that that's going to be like a ooh, and instead, of like everyone's like, yeah, yeah.
0: Slapped no, it's it's nineteen it's it's <laughs> 1985. It's yeah. 1985. So South. it gets a yeah. <laughs> so it gets a gigantic reaction. You know, it's just a different time and a different era and, and all that. And then you know, uh, you know, again, sometimes society changes for the better, right? You yeah, know, of it's 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 these these weren't. They didn't think they were saying something bad. You know, I, I know that's hard for people to wrap their heads around, but they didn't think that they were saying something bad. You know, it's like the old, it's like the angle where Magnum TA just grabs baby doll and kisses her. And David Crockett's yelling. She likes it. She loves it. She likes it. <laughs> you know, as she's trying to fight off Magnum TA, but he was the baby face. So it's kind of like the same, the same deal, but, um, you know, yeah, the, the, the Flair stuff is where I'd start if you're not real familiar with with Hacksaw, Butch Reed. Any Mid South, I mean, just turn on the Mid South Epps on the network, and he's You know, he's all over him. I mean, he lives on the tag team with Buddy Landell. I mean, just a great tag team, which obviously led to the inevitable split. You know, after Junkyard Dog, another guy that McMahon rated from Mid South left. They went with Butch Reed as the babyface. You know, so they did the split with Landell, and that's a you know you know go watch that story progress i mean that's that's great stuff right there too you know and um but then eventually watts lost everybody uh to vince but those those 86 wrestling challenge episodes are just what a great watch There's like 3 months worth and like i said you know butchery debuts honky tonk man debuts as a babyface and then doesn't get over and then they have the whole fan poll deal where he ends up turning heel dick slater is there as a baby face and just not getting over at all as the rebel Dick Slater, you know, shockingly that didn't work in, in, in the York.
2: Northeast. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah.
0: But he's coming down with the rebel again, different time. He's got the Confederate flag and he's, his whole, he's like a his, the little hat. He's supposed to be like a Confederate soldier. Yes, yeah. It's
2: like, and it. believe it or not, Boston wasn't a huge fan of, of the Confederate right. soldier guy. So.
0: You know, and yeah, you have the debut of the Islanders on that run. As uh, Hako and Toma with a different spelling, which um, I was watching that. And 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 uh, David Bixenspan and I did a little detective work a couple nights ago. That was the debut of the Islanders. After their, that's the first time they wrestled with the name change, you know, because when the Islanders debuted a week earlier on Superstars, they were King Tonga and the Tonga kids. Still, right, right. Yeah. But, but but packaged as the Islanders. And then on challenge two weeks later, they were the Islanders, but they were Hako and Toma, spelled with O's. And then the next week, they were Haku and Tama, and then the rest is history. That's the babyface Islanders, you know, before the turn. Um, It's just a really uh, newsworthy run of shows, those challenge episodes. A lot happens. Uh, uh, Bobby Heenan purchases Hercules from Slick during that run. Which is funny because then Bobby Heenan tries to sell Hercules to Ted DiBiase a few years later, and that's the impetus for Hercules's face turn. Right. He's like, oh man, I'm not going to be sold. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not property
2: to be bought and sold, even though I've been bought and sold before in this very company by you, but yeah, you know what? Not anymore. I'm sick of that shit.
0: Yeah. But Bobby Heenan takes Slick to the bank and literally hands him <laughs> stacks of cash like <laughs> yes, a cartoon.
2: It's awesome.
0: <laughs> and Slick puts it in a paper bag. I mean, it's just phenomenal stuff. And that's when Slick is kind of like, taking over for Fred Blassie. They're co-managing Sheik and Volkoff and Hercules, right? Because Blassie's getting older, and he's using the walking stick. So they're kind of phasing Blassie out and phasing Slick in. And Butch Reed, to bring this you know full circle, he's the first guy that Slick manages on his own without Freddie Blassie involved. So he, he bought half of the contracts of Hercules and Sheik and Volkov from Blassie, but, but Butch Reed was his guy that he brought in. You know, and it was supposed to be a big main event run for those two. But, you know, for the reasons that we talked about, um, you know, Butch Reed never caught on. Also in that run of challenges is the beginning of the Danny Davis heel referee angle.
2: Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a fun uh, era. It's a
0: really great period of shows. I mean, because so much happens, you know, and it starts off innocuous where he just makes like bad decisions in the matches. It's not obvious that he's being a heel. But then it becomes more there's a match between Randy Savage and um Billy Jack Haynes for the intercontinental title, and it's very obvious that he's in the bag for Savage in that one and then that's when like monsoon turns on him and the heel commentators start defending him, and then it's like okay we we see where this is going now um you know so I know it's just it, it, it's 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 the very first wrestling challenge and then it runs for like three months and it's really worth a watch because they're 40 minutes they're easy watches
2: yeah i, I got on a run it, it, Actually, it's one of my favorite things to do on the network these days and something i'm definitely going to miss if if you know it's not all carried over or if the the structure of it's all different on peacock is something that i love doing is and i did it recently i think around the holidays uh, or when I was doing the New Japan ebook, I just wanted something to put on in the background that was not going to take too much of my attention, that I could kind of have in the background, stop and look and do all that. And I think I jumped in on on, on Superstars from like 1992 and watched it all the way through like 1993, just all, every single year. Every and it's like. I really recommend if you can do that do that because you see the week to week stuff and you see the and like yeah there's going to be stuff that gets repeated there's going to be you know video packages that get repeated there's going to be things that get you know kind of you know you watch yeah. they're going to talk about something that they've talked about four or five times you are you know I saw I saw Doink attack crush like 9 times you know to build up to the WrestleMania 9 uh, match they showed it like a thousand times over and over again but it was kind of fun to like the watching the week to week is super super fun and yeah you pick up on little things and you start you see a guy you know one week and you're thinking oh well, that's kind of interesting and then like it pays off like nine weeks later. You're like, oh, they've been little by little kind of building this guy up. And like it, the best is, yeah, when new guys come in, like I, I the, the thing that I really remember about the when I was watching the Superstars for that two years or whatever it was, um, uh, Yokozuna coming in. And it, it reminded me a lot of uh, what you talked about with Hako or whatever is yeah. he is Yokozuma for like two. Everybody calls him Yokozuma. And then, like, yeah. little by little, everyone starts calling him Yokozuna, except for, like, half the guys on the roster still call him Yokozuma. Like, Virgil still calls him Yokozuma. Jim Duggan calls him Yokozuma. Uh, I think Mean Gene does a backstage thing, and he calls him Yokozuma. And it's just funny that, like, you, you see that, like, it, like you said with the Hako or whatever. It's, you know, sometimes these guys came remember. in, and they didn't know or they didn't remember. Or, like you said with Mel Phillips, where he's, like, the natural, the the, the, the hacksaw, I don't know, whatever, whatever, who cares? Like, it's just fun to see that, that you know, with so many people coming in and so much Movement and so many new different people on the roster that that yeah there there is an opportunity to kind of be confused as to who this person is or or what their name is. Whereas yeah now you're never going to have that because everybody's on the roster for 19 years. Like you're never gonna but like on that it's, it's a revolving door of new guys coming in and out and, and and guys turning and guys doing stuff and and new gimmicks and and, and, and whatnot. So I'll have to check out the wrestling challenge thing though. I have not uh, I've I haven't delved into that yet. So
0: the Dino Bravo debut too. He comes in with Johnny V as a singles wrestler. And then obviously a few months later at WrestleMania 3 they break up the dream team with Beefcake going babyface and Dino Bravo gets paired up with Valentine as the new dream team. So they plant the seeds for that in 86 when Bravo comes in with Dark Hair. Um great jobbers too, Mick Foley and Shane Douglas all over it doing jobs. Frenchie Martin doing jobs before they made him a manager, ironically enough the manager of Dino Bravo a couple years later. Um you know, so all the uh, Barry O, all the classic job guys. I love seeing the jo- which job guys uh, get booked on shows like that, too. But it's funny because I watched that 86 run of Wrestling Challenge and then I'm making dinner one night and I just randomly threw on an episode of 1983 All-Star Wrestling, which was the show that preceded Wrestling Challenge, mm-hmm. right? That became Wrestling Challenge, the old All-Star Wrestling. And I'm watching this and I watched the first seven matches. And remember, this is only three years before those 1986 Wrestling Challenge episodes. The entire feel of the company is completely different. Just the tone, the setting, the way the show is shot, the way the show is formatted. But Rich, just here were the seven people who won their matches on this episode of 1983 All-Star Wrestling. And then I'm going to tell you where they were by
2: 1986. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Go ahead.
0: Okay. Number one, Eddie Gilbert.
2: Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's by no, the way, if you want more on Eddie Gilbert and WWF uh, voice of wrestling, Liam Bur- uh, Byrne from our, uh, our website, uh, had a great uh, little series that he was doing on, on Eddie Gilbert and especially uh, this WWF run, which I didn't even, I didn't even know existed to be honest until I read that. So, so
0: by 86, he's already in UWF. We did that whole thing behind the paywall with the tag team titles. He's a major star long gone. Uh, Match number two was superstar Billy Graham doing his kung fu gimmick in 1983, okay? By 1986, he had failed with that kung fu gimmick in Mid-Atlantic. He tried to bring it there, and it didn't work. And in 1986, he's back in WWF, and his story is he's an he's a aging legend trying to make a miracle <laughs> comeback.
2: <laughs> right. I think against Butch he Reed, had, right? Had,
0: at the age of forty three, yeah, younger than a lot of the guys that were in the world,
2: <laughs> it, world, it, world. He was against Butch Reed, though, right? Wasn't the feud supposed to be him versus yes. Butch? Yeah, that's what I remember. So yeah, nice full it circle was, thing there. Uh,
0: Yeah, he he it was a feud. He, he got programmed with Butch Reed. And then Dom, and then Graham couldn't go. Yeah, didn't they try
2: injured. to put him in the ring like a few times? And they're like, "All right, never mind. That's not going to work." <laughs> like, which think he about was, how bad you have to be to look like Billy Graham or or, or or superstar Billy Graham in that era and not be good enough to work in that era, where they're just like, "No, kid, we're <laughs> we're not going to be able to do anything with you."
0: He was horrendous, so they turned Don Morocco babyface, and you know, and and then Graham managed uh, Don Morocco against Butch Reed at the tail end of that feud. Um, S. D. Jones, who by 1986 was now a television jobber, Ray Stevens. <laughs> oh won a match my god! <laughs> on '83 All Star Wrestling, I don't need to. I mean, he might have been dead. What year did he die? I, don't I mean, think he, he was
2: dead, dead but I think he was. I
0: don't know. He but, was but
2: certainly, he was really, yeah. I don't know what he was doing. He uh, was working, working indies or long, yeah. long gone yeah. from
0: WWF. Is the point? <laughs> he probably was back dying days AWA. I think is where he was by '86. Rocky Johnson won a singles match. By 86, his entire WWF run was done. He would never come back again. But between 83 and 86, he had like an entire career. He formed a tag team with Tony Atlas. They won the tag team titles from uh, the Samoans and that ran its course. And then he left and um, Buddy Rose was up next. He was long gone by 86. He had been, you know, he wrestled on WrestleMania one and then went back to Portland he didn't come back to WWF until like 89. Yeah, as when they Clay were doing the fat doing guy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing the look how fat this fat guy is. So that's...
0: The tag team champions, Jay and Jules Strongbow wrestled <laughs> oh, on this show in 1983. Okay, by 86, Jay Strongbow was an agent, completely retired. I couldn't tell you where Jules Strongbow was by 86. My point here in making this comparison to the striking difference, not only in tone, feel, presentation of the shows between 83 and 86 was also the complete turnover in talent from 83 to 86. Rich, how different is 2021 WWE from 2018
2: uh, to 2011 WWE? I mean, that, that's something we actually we, we brought up on Twitter this past week where uh, you look at the uh, the Elimination Chamber 2011 lineup and the Elimination Chamber 2020 lineup. And it's uh, there's some frightening parallels. We'll, we'll do that when we preview Elimination Chamber next week. But, uh, yeah, you don't even have to go back. Don't even go back to 2018. Go. Yeah. Which seems you y- can do you-
0: Compared to two thousand seven. Yeah, and that's like- what I
2: mean. Like you can that that's even more pathetic. And that's like going from, you know, nineteen seventy-three have to like you know, WWW, buddy Rogers on top and shit. Uh versus yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable uh how stagnant wrestling is these days. And I think new fans don't really understand it and I think it, it, it and that's and that's a big reason why I recommend it. when you do if you ever kind of bored and want to go on the network watch like six months of, of wrestling challenge or six months of superstars six months or whatever because you'll see guys come and go you'll wonder hey what happened to that guy and then you go and look and oh yeah he was fired or he ended up his run and then this guy signed and then that guy signed and that guy turned and it's just like every you know every few weeks there's something new going on somebody new and especially that that 86 87 88 run that you're talking about when they're just hoarding talent from all over the place is new guys are coming in all the time and old guys are are, are on the way out because obviously the roster is not big enough uh, for everybody. But, yeah, that was true of of all wrestling for, for years and years and years is that guys would do a run for one or two or three years or whatever, and then they were out and then they went somewhere else and sometimes they were brought back. But, yeah, the, your, your guys staying around for 10 years just didn't happen. There just was no reason for it. And I think wrestling was ultimately better for it. Because it makes it more exciting. Like you said, you're watching those episodes and new guys are debuting all the time. New, new names, new faces, new people you've never seen before. Old guys are moving out and, and, and you know, they can come back and they can be interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's so much more fun when, when a roster is fluid like that and guys are coming and going and moving and, and, and shaking. It just, yeah, it adds new excitement and new, you know, new feuds, new gimmicks and all that sort of stuff. But uh, that is a, definitely a vestige of the past. I don't think that's ever coming back, unfortunately.
0: It's not just unique to 83 to 86 either. Compare 86 to 89. Yeah, you know, you know, really take any three, four, five year jump in that company's history until you get to about what 2006 or seven or
2: five. Yeah, because honestly, you know, when people bring it up, people do say, oh, like, oh, by like, you know, 2000, I'm like, no, dude, look at even like 2003 to 2000 is like a dramatically different company. But yeah, by 2006, 2007, 2008, it's just kind of there. And then, God, the 2010s, they may as well all be the same. (laughs) You you might as well lump all (laughs) the 2010s in the same. Yeah.
0: It's been stagnant in look, presentation, and even talent for the last 15 years now, which is incredible to me. I mean, because 15 years prior to 1986 was 1971. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and it's like just from 83 to 86, those wild changes. But even, you know, you even compare, even compare like 1994. To the attitude era oh that's and yeah that's i always really bring like,
2: up 95 like 95 to 98 that, that's a company yeah. that's like hey you know here's guys that have jobs in their free time here's a race car driver here's a guy that runs a you know garbage man here's you know a, a magician here's this and then three years later is this fucking sable and dx and Stone Cold. it's like jesus christ like the difference is staggering from fucking 1995 to 1998 it's just it's night and day with that company uh, became over those few years. And, and, and yeah, you just you don't get that any, uh, for any wrestling. And I, again, it's not unique to WWF either. Go back to, yo, know, WCW was, was exactly yeah, that yeah. way. ECW uh, was that way largely. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 just a, it, it's a byproduct of, you know, the modern era of wrestling for whatever reason. It's just kind of always, you know, been this way, so.
0: ECW only existed under, you know, Paul Heyman from mid-94 to what, like early 2000? When did they fall? 2000?
2: January Uh, 2001. 2001? No, 2001. Yeah, January January, 2001.
0: But like January. So it effectively lasted from mid 94 through the year 2000. So you're dealing with what? A six year period where, you know, the ECW that people consider ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. And even within that short six year period, they rebranded halfway through with the purple logo. And, you know, it didn't completely change, but there's a drastic difference difference between 1994 1995 ECW and 1999 to purple logo it, it, you know even that evolved in that short period of time do you realize rich that by next year 205 live will have outlasted ECW oh my
2: god <laughs> no
0: does that blow your mind you're or what?
2: lying you're lying that's impossible
0: yep it's true oh look god. it up well, the east. Well, not you know, like I said,
2: Heyman. Not, not eastern, yeah, not eastern. But yeah, the 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 Hayman run, ECW. That is the two two. two, two there was somebody mentioned something about two hundred five recently, and 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 the beginning of two hundred five live, and I could not believe it's been around as long as it has. It has been yeah, like so irrelevant. Yeah, it's like I to in my brain, it started in like two thousand eighteen. You know what I mean? It started in like late 2018 to 2019 and no it started for two years prior
0: to that it's unbelievable right after the the Cruiserweight Classic because
2: well the Cruiserweight Classic to me feels like that was two years ago I cannot believe that was four years ago
0: it's because if you remember Mustafa Ali debuted at the Cruiserweight Classic and he jumped the line he didn't do an NXT thing because he he went right to 205 live which started in 2016 Mustafa Ali is in like his fifth year in the WWE can you believe that shit (laughs) Like, how long has it... Doesn't it feel like yesterday he was on freelance shows?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dreamwave, watching him on (laughs) Dreamwave. LaSalle, yeah. You know?
0: It's... It's it's pretty wild. But but anyway, I I just noted that dichotomy between 83, All-Star Wrestling, which that show turned into Wrestling Challenge, and just the drastic difference between what that show was and what Wrestling Challenge was just three years later. Yeah. You know, less than three cause it was like a mid eighty three episode to like an early ep- eighty six it's just it's wild, you know wrestling is just it's so particularly that company um so stagnant. couple of corrections. we are told that in the chat room, the triple A channel is still on Pluto. It's just not in the sports section anymore. You have to go to the Spanish language mm, section, okay, okay so triple a is still on there. I don't know why they would move it. I feel like it well. I, I, I get sense. why they
2: did, but it was so much easier because it was like the Impact AAA, and then you, you know there was there's a few things in that same sports area that were really easy to jump between. But I get that, like if you're somebody, I I don't know, I don't really mind that, but I, I get that there are probably angry <laughs> random people that are like watching something and then they flip and then it's you know in in Spanish and they get upset. I don't think anyone would be. Like well,
0: <laughs> the whole thing is, I think it, I think it would be better lumped with other wrestling channels than other Spanish speaking exactly. I, I agree. I agree. You think you're more likely to get crossover from that rather than because there's spanish-speaking people don't automatically like lucha libre they just they fucking speak spanish and they want to watch shit that's in spanish whereas anyone who likes wrestling is going to be interested in a triple right well
2: that's definitely like guys that don't know like people the programmers that know nothing about actual wrestling and and would think oh they're not gonna you know yeah english speakers aren't gonna watch you know mexican wrestling it's like oh little do you know sir we'll watch anything any language yeah. doesn't matter doesn't even have to have a language you don't have to understand any words of that language and we'll still uh watch it and consume it so yeah that that's that's good to know it is still there because there's some fun stuff on that channel so
0: yeah so um
2: oh real quickly i wanted to uh we were talking a little bit about the house shows and i, I was scrolling butch Reads uh, uh cage match uh on december 27th 1987 wwf ran five house shows in one day so they ran in london Ontario, Canada, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, St. Paul, Minnesota, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, and Landover, Maryland. So the Landover, Maryland, that's your Hulk Hogan. He's in the main event with like big boss man versus Andre the Giant or whatever. Those guys have only had to work one show. They were fine. The London, Toronto crew, I believe. I don't know if this would be the C crew. No, okay, hold on. This has got to be a messed up. There's, well, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now I'm not sure. So, oh man.
0: Just go by the main events.
2: Yeah, well, so that's what—that's the problem. Is Something got, got me screwed up here. I wonder if there's something wrong. So London, Ontario, the main event is Jim Duggan and King Harley Race. So mm-hmm. that's not very good. But the Toronto show is Hulk Hogan in it. It's Bam Bam Bigelow and Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy uh, and Ted DiBiase. But on that same day, Hulk Hogan's in Landover, Maryland then in the main event. With Bam Bam Bigelow against Andre the Giant and King Kong Bundy.
0: Oh, that has to be a mistake.
2: <laughs> that seems pretty tough to get from Toronto to Landover, Maryland, and in, in no, uh,
0: that's that's yeah. a mistake because that's a flight because they would okay. So let's say one of the crews was in Landover, Maryland.
2: Yeah, because right? well, I'm going to tell you that the Duluth St. Paul is the same crew, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about that for in a second here. But yeah, this Toronto Landover thing. That's an no. eight, a nine-hour drive, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how the flight. But That's impossible. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I you can do that one day. So
0: when they did the double shots, it had to be a three-hour drive or less because you gotta. You, you would do a show at noon, it would wrap up at three, but the guys before intermission were already on the road, and then as long as you can get to the next building within three hours, like okay, you could do Landover, Maryland, and Meadowlands in New Jersey, or you can do Philly and Boston, yeah, or Baltimore. So ba- to, yeah, yeah, or, or Baltimore yeah. is
2: Landover basically, but yeah.
0: Right. You're Washington, D.C. And, and Philly or something like that. But you didn't want to do two shows in the same market. Like it wouldn't make sense to do the Meadowlands and MSG because it's the same ticket buying public. And you're not going to one show not you're not going to sell out both shows. But what you would do. But if you do like the Meadowlands and Baltimore, that's two different markets. So you can do the matinee in one building and then the night show in the other building. And then you could do the same thing with the B crew. They can do Sacramento and San Francisco or, you know, whatever the fuck, um, uh, uh, Dallas and Houston or, or something like that if they're in a different part of the country. And then you'd have the sea crew, which typically would just work one show. And it would be in some small civic center, you know, usually somewhere in the northeast. Yeah, and that's what up. I
2: think that that London Ontario crew is. Yeah, I mean that with that yes. event for sure. But the uh, the Duluth St. Paul, which by the way is about two and a half hours <laughs> drive between the two, so perfect timing. Which again is ridiculous to think about that. Like you hopped yeah. in a car, drove two and a half hours, and just walked out into your match and did it. And that's why these guys <laughs> you know did headlocks for half the time. Yeah, uh, that's why
0: you, they were they that they were reasonably lazy on <laughs> right. these shows.
2: So uh, your main event is uh, IC Tata Match, Randy Savage defeating the Honky Talk Man by DQ. Couldn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Bockwinkle, the special referee, too. Get those. Uh, get that St. Paul Civic Center uh, tickets. <laughs> ticket by in public there for yeah. Nick Bockwinkle. And uh, Butch Reed on the first show uh, was against Don Morocco. It was Don Morocco and Butch Reed. And then the, uh, the semi-main uh, was Jake Roberts and the one-man gang. And then uh, Duluth, which I imagine Duluth was probably in the, in the morning or the afternoon. Uh, and then they went to St. Paul, so I'm doing this backwards. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. So Don Morocco versus Butch Reed, same match there. Uh, Jerick Roberts, one-man gang, same match there. A double count-out, a very exciting double count-out between Jerick Roberts and one-man gang. Uh, your main event, same deal, Randy Savage and honky Talkman, man. IC title by DQ, so probably the exact same match. Uh, no Bachwinkle this time. He's not going to Duluth. Uh, and then your, main, your, your semi-main event, though, unfortunately, uh, is Rick Roode and Buck Zumoff. So that's wow. Geek.
0: Yeah, and Buck Zumoff, obviously, local as well. So yes. they used the local yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, but um yeah, you could see like basically the same shows with some minor changes. Yeah,
2: St. Paul, you know? we're gonna get we'll, we'll have Bachwinkle come sell a few more tickets, bit, a little bit bigger of an arena, but pretty much the same thing. Which is when I, I love because like especially a, a talking point with like NXT or whatever, you know, when when Sasha and Bayley were having those great matches, people are like, oh, I don't know, they practice their matches. It's like these guys worked with each other a hundred times on the road. I mean, fucking yeah. Warlord and British Bulldog, how many times did those guys face each other to build up to a WrestleMania match that ended up just never happening? They just said, Ah, we don't have room for you guys. Sorry. Not gonna happen. They yeah. wrestled 100, like 150 times in a year to get to it. So like, it missed me with the fucking. Oh, they practiced their matches. Who cares? They practiced their matches in the '87 too because they did the same match every single night. You think Randy? You think Randy Savage and Honky Tonk Man did one match in Duluth and then on the road there? Like, all right, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. I said, they just did the same match exactly, beat for beat, probably exact same. Match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, you think hockey's exactly. out there and you know scratching a paper? All right. So here's what we're gonna do, pal. Is you're gonna do this to me, and then I'm gonna do it. Like no, he was just like, yeah, same thing, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. Let's do it. You know.
0: And it becomes muscle memory. Yeah. It's Just you know, you it's just a job. Just go out it's there. a job for them. You do it twice in one day. I mean, you're just doing the same. You go and you do the same exact match. You know, and then you do it again on the loop the next week. You go home for a day, and then you <laughs> you're right back on the loop again, and you're doing the same match all week again, and then twice on Saturday. So yeah, that that's just. That's that's how it was, and they insist on exaggerating anyway. Which, like you said at the top,
2: why? you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to exaggerate. You actually worked. You literally worked it's... 270 matches in a given year. You could just say that. That's impressive. You don't have to say, "Oh, yeah, we're on the ro- we're on the road 800 times that year." I-, I wrestled eight times every Saturday, and it's like, no, I mean, you wrestled twice every Saturday, which is still pretty impressive. So, that's like, yeah, you could just mention that. That's good enough. But uh, that's uh, it. Wouldn't be old wrestlers without uh, grossly exaggerating their so, uh, accomplishments. So.
0: So the Honky Tonk Man. I just want to get this in quickly, and then we'll do New Japan. You know,
2: yeah, no rush. Like, no rush on New Japan. We'll, I'd rather talk about Butcher Reed for longer. So.
0: I'm the only person, because everyone always argues with me. My childhood memories of the Honky Tonk Man babyface debut was that even as like a nine year old, when I'm watching this play out, I'm still smart enough to realize, okay, he's not really a babyface. I think this is a setup. And we're supposed to not like him. That's what I always thought as a kid. And then he flops as a baby face. And then they do the fan balloting thing and the, the gimmick with Jesse Ventura. And he has to tell the honky tonk man that he lost in the fan balloting. He tells him there's 670,000 votes cast. And honky tonk man's like, I told you they love me, Jesse. <laughs> and Ventura's like, no, but 600,000 of them don't like you. Only seventy thousand people like you. <laughs> <laughs> there
2: you go. Get into, get into the Jesse. Yeah, the Jesse. Gen- yeah,
0: and then Honky's like, "This is I can't believe it! I can't believe it!" Yet. And he storms off, and that's his heel turn. He's like, "Well, if these people don't like me, well, fuck them! I don't like them either." Like, but here's the thing: people say, "Oh, it's because he flopped as a babyface that they then created that story and ran with him as a heel." But if you go back and watch those early babyface Honky Tonk Man matches. He's going way over the top to slap everybody's hand, high five everybody.
2: Yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm on, on your side. I'm on. He's an Elvis impersonator in 1987. <laughs> like, there's no yeah, way. And I, like,
0: and I really feel like, and not idea, in Memphis.
2: He was in Boston and fucking Baltimore. They don't give a shit about his Elvis. Promo,
0: his promos are corny, and he's like this. He's so over the top and cheesy. About being a babyface. They even have Hulk Hogan cut an inset promo for him saying, well, let me tell you something about the Honky Tonk Man brothers. When did they ever do that with Hulk Hogan having him endorse another
2: baby? Right, fan? right, right. Well, and, and like, the thing is too, like I've watched some of that stuff. Is Honky Tonk Man, it's it's almost the same character when he's a heel, because he would come out and go, like, oh, thank you very much, thank you very much, I love y'all. <laughs> it's like everybody's booing him, and he's like, They love me, they love me. Like that was like he was just the delusional Elvis impersonator.
0: Yeah. That, exactly. So to me. I think it was OK, yeah, they presented him as a baby face, but I, th- I think it was over-the-top and cheesy and goofy on purpose, Right, because the heel turn was coming anyway, and that was the story. The story I'm with was: I'm with you.: This guy's a cheese ball. You're not supposed to like him, and now he's going to keep being a delusional cheese ball as a heel. Everyone disagrees with me. No, the push just didn't work.
2: <laughs> There's, no way. There's no way that that company at that time sat down and said, yeah, this uh, you know, guy that, that uh, you know, is a strip mall Elvis impersonator is going to be like a top babyface. There's no way in 1986, 87, they thought that was going to work. There's no way. They they're were too t- smart. T- they were too smart at and that it, time.
0: And it happens too fast. Yeah. Like he, you can watch. Like he debuts on Wrestling Challenge, and like three weeks later, they're doing the gimmick with Ventura that's not even enough time to go on the road and see if he gets over. That's not even enough time. Like it happens so quickly. That's even more evidence in my favor because they didn't even give it a chance to get over. like it takes people time to get over. You know what I mean? Like they didn't even give him a chance. It was just immediately. And, and, and the way the commentators, like they're just too over the top, the way they gush about him when he's a baby face. And then they start saying, well, I don't know. These fans aren't really, it's like, to me, it was all a deliberate story, but Everyone disagrees with me. (laughs) It seems like you at least agree with me. I I just go back.
2: I can't buy. I mean, I guess I wasn't alive in that era, so I don't really know. But like, I just can't. I mean, anytime I ever saw the honky talk, man, it was just like, yeah, this is like this delusional third rate dollar store Elvis impersonator. Like, of course, everybody would hate him and think he's lame as fuck. Like,
0: Here's the thing, too. There's like parallel (laughs) evidence at the same time. Like Dick Slater debuts at the same time. He doesn't get over either. And it's like they, they saw it out with like he never got over, he stayed another year and he and eventually they just turned him into a TV. I won't want to call him a job guy, but he was a he was a already in the ring guy. After you know what I mean by that? There's a difference
2: between sure. yeah.
0: Like he might team with a with Mario Mancini, but Mario Mancini is going to take the fall. You, you see what I mean? Like he was that kind of guy. He wasn't a straight up jobber. He was a jobber who got respect, and that because he never got over. They didn't turn him heel. They just said, ah, oh, well, he didn't get over and they shrugged their shoulders. And that was that he didn't even get booked on WrestleMania three. And then he left, right? Cause he saw the writing on the wall. If if Hockey Man didn't get over, it, they just would have let him flat. Like to me, I think it was all a deliberate storyline.
2: Right, yeah, they, they were too smart and too good at that in that era because the way that they built it up and the way it, it, it went, it was like the best, the the maximized you know amount of uh, opportunities you could get for Honky Talk Man, where he became like the biggest heel in the company and just a real you know, or maybe not the biggest heel in the company, but at least in that B show loop or that that I C title you know area. Uh, your seven main events, your, your your upper mid card or whatever. He was like the top heel in the upper mid card. So no, I, I think they didn't stumble into that by accident. They were they were too good in that area. They knew what the hell. They were I
0: doing. think the idea was let's present him as a goober and make sure that everybody doesn't like him, right? And right. then we'll turn him. Like that's what I'm saying. It was. Um, but the newsletters of the time disagree. <laughs> that's,
2: that's, well, we'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I, again, not being alive in that cares, era, no. I have no idea if there was like reverence for Elvis impersonators then, but I just can't. I can't imagine there was. I, I, I just can't. So, especially not in the Northeast. Like, it's a different gimmick if you're running it in Memphis. You, you know what I mean? The guy that, that that loves Elvis in Memphis works a little bit better than the guy who loves Elvis in like fucking, you know, peak like Springsteen era. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, he yeah, she goes
0: he goes on the snake pit as a babyface, and Jake Roberts just roasts the shit out of him, and not in a heel roasting a babyface yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, right, where, right. Where the babyface, like at the end of the segment, like Roberts is like, you know, the fans don't seem to understand you, and I don't understand you. Elvis has been dead for nine years that's what I that's
2: mean yeah funny. right right and that's what I mean like it's the like, delusion and then like yeah I, I think again <laughs> I love why we're arguing with newsletter writers of 1986 or whatever but like I, I've seen some of the angles I haven't seen all of it that you're talking about but like he snaps and fucking goes nuts on Jake and hits him with the yes. guitar well, no, like that, that has to be one. you know oh, no no
0: that's that's a different one. That's oh, is that terms. later okay this is the this is one where he's just a he. No, but I, I, but
2: I mean later on he's going to do that yes, angle. He does. Is what I'm saying is like so to me it's like building up the tension in him where he's just like you know fuck all you <laughs> like I'm a superstar I don't even, care what you guys say <laughs> like
0: even the way that this one ends right even the way this one ends Jake is like Elvis has been dead for nine years these people don't seem to like you and I don't like you either right and Honky like. As a babyface, you would either just insult Jake, and then it would end with Jake being frustrated, which is how all the snake pits ended. Like, the babyface would then say something to Jake, and Jake would, like, be stomping his foot and be like, ah, fuck this guy. But instead, on this one, Honky Tonk Man, he's, like, gotten to. He's like, well, I don't have to take this from you, Jake the Snake Roberts. I, I I don't need this. And then he just storms back to the back, and Jake, like, laughs at him. That's not a baby. Fa- that's a guy who.
2: No, that's that's a today. That's a 2020 or 2021 baby face that cowers in fear uh, at the heel. But no, the fucking busts his ass. You know.
0: Yeah, he doesn't come back with any wise crack or anything. He just gets frustrated and has gotten to, and he storms off. So, I don't know. I'm even more convinced now. My nine year old memories were correct on this one. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it was a setup all along to turn him into a fucking delusional heel. And then, yeah, you're you're right. Later. After Jake turn that's the Jake turn because Honky Tonk Man comes back to the show, comes back to Snake Pit, and Jake gets on his ass again. And that's when Honky sneaks back around the corner with with the guitar and hits Jake with the guitar. And that's like that turns Jake babyface. And that is the build to the WrestleMania 3 match with Alice Cooper. Right. And that's Jake's turn. So the first Snake Pit set up that second one, which again tells me it was planned all along. You know, that's even yeah. more that's a, right, right. that's right. a piece of evidence I hadn't even thought of. There you of. go.
2: Add add that to the uh <laughs> We gotta do a deep yeah. dive where where Joe uh, we gotta find more things that uh newsletter writers were wrong about in nineteen eighty six and dispel them, so Yeah. No nah, so, you're I, you're you're definitely on that one. But um all right, so that, that so for people real, real quick before you end the Butch Reed thing, if you're if you're going to, I'm listening to this. I, I, I only know Butch Reed maybe as the guy that was in WWF for a little bit. I don't know any matches. What what? Should, so I should go on YouTube, look up Butch Reed, Ric Flair. I should watch some Doom stuff, I guess. Like what what? What's kind of your? You got a few hours to kill. What, what, what do you watch for Butch Reed or Where do you kind of look for stuff?
0: Anything against Ric Flair, promos or matches, um anything really in Mid-South, but especially the Buddy Landell tag team and the split. And then, I think Doom, for sure. If you don't know Doom, just you know go watch Doom stuff. And I think there's some value in the natural butchery, just for historical purposes. Mm-hmm. De- definitely watch him debut with Slick, and you can see that they definitely had main event plans for the guy. But, for reasons we talked about, it never came through. And he ended up a mid-card guy. I mean, if you do it with Billy Graham, um, and Don Morocco. And then he was like, he feuded with Coco beware, like lower guys, you know, he was just a lower card guy for most of the run after that, because he just, they knew he was physically shot and he didn't really get over, but, um, everything before the run is the natural is great. And he's a guy who at different periods was considered one of the best wrestlers in the entire country.
2: So, I did a quick little search. If you just type in Ric Flair Butch Reed on YouTube, you get obviously a lot of the matches that they had, full matches as well, these 20 minute matches, yeah. Mid South TV, uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, yeah, and then if you just look up, you just do Butch Reed on YouTube, there's actually some pretty good stuff. Uh, as I'm scrolling here, there is like a, 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 super, uh, a Billy Graham versus Butch Reed in 87, so you can see them trying to build that up. Uh, as you said, there's some JYD Butch Reed stuff from 83. When they're both still in their you know, physical peaks that you can check out. So there's a lot of really good stuff just by yeah. just by searching Butch Reed on there. You can get there's some Doom stuff in there too. Uh I believe oh man, do they even have ah oh wow, I'm surprised this is even on here. Uh they have the entire uh Super Brawl Thunderdome cage match between Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, which isn't good, but it's historically significant because that's really it for Butch, like you said. That that after that run, I, I forget even what the hell he did or if he did anything more in, in, in WCW, but uh you can see the blow off of, of Doom. No. So
0: that's it. He feuded with Ron Simmons and then he was gone. You know, Ron Simmons obviously went on to have a whole career after that, but Reed was done. That was it for him. I yeah. Mean, oh, they actually have,
2: you know, not, not to have the slick. If you look up slick and Butch Reed on, on YouTube as well, they have the promos from those guys too. So.
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that's the stuff that I would, that I would look for. If you have the network, the, the Landell Reed story, the, the mid South episodes that are on there cover that period. Like so you could watch all that play out right on the network. You don't have to go searching for it.
2: All right, so that is, uh, that's butch Reed. Unfortunately, it uh, sucks that we have to do segments like that, but uh, it's always a, a, an interesting time to to do this, and I, I know that people do uh, uh, enjoy these segments as well and watch a bunch of stuff and, and enjoy it. So, all right, let's get to uh, New Japan for wrestling. We'll, I guess, talk about New Japan. Uh, Joe, they had two shows, two New Beginning in Hiroshima shows. Um, <laughs> they were... Were certainly shows of of the shows they were they were shows that definitely occurred and happened um your night one main event is uh haromo f- defeating show 35 minutes and 38 seconds the longest junior title match in history uh i believe the semi-main event uh, just real quick i'm gonna go over these matches and, and kind of do an overall uh discussion about new japan then we'll talk about the shows themselves uh same the main event of that night one is girls the destiny versus dangerous techers 29 minutes and eight seconds ends in a dq So there's an hour of your life down the drain there (laughs) in just those matches. Uh, Night 2, you have the ridiculous uh, Okada Evil match that ends by DQ. You have the semi-main event, a 27-minute never-open-weight six-man title match. And then your main event, another 27-minute Kotobushi Sonata match. Um, I don't... My overall thoughts are I don't understand why New Japan is going in this direction. I mean, we've had on the Road 2s, we've had multiple you know, time-limit draws. We've had the longest... Never match ever between you know Tanahashi and Shingo, and not that I'm complaining. I mean that's a match that went 30 minutes and it felt like it went 10. So it's like not complaining about that one. But uh, on these two nights, it was really evident of like what are you guys doing? Like why why do these ma- why does Hiromu and Show need to go 35 minutes? Why do we need the longest never you, you know why do we need the never longest never open weight six man title match ever? Why do we need the longest junior heavyweight title match ever? Like why why are we deciding when there's no fans that can make any noise that we're going to go as long as humanly possible? You know with these main events. I mean God, they're just they were slogs to get through and like. Like I, I kind of, I liked a few of the matches. I liked some of the matches we're going to talk about, but man, my overarching thought when it was done was just like, "Fuck, I don't want to watch in Japan for weeks after I was done with these shows." They were just so thick and voluminous. I, I don't know. Do you have the same thought as me?
0: I don't think it's necessarily. I was chewing some M and M's. You caught me off guard. That's fine. That's I fine. I heard. Time.
2: I heard the rustling of a bag. Are they? So they? You're you're just an asshole that just drinks like uh, eats normal M and M's, right? Like no no peanut no.
0: Um. Number one, I'm not an asshole. That's number one. <laughs>
2: well, you're an asshole if you only eat normal M&M's, but go on.
0: I don't do Chikara M&M's. That's an old bit we used to do. I know,
2: whenever. but I just, I can't believe it. The peanut M&M's I, are so good. I don't understand.
0: No, no. I just want...
2: Who I eats just normal you. M&M's? Like, I don't understand. Me, yeah, Me don't and yeah. most people, okay? Uh, they're wrong. You,
0: I will bet you... That the standard non chikar m M&M is the best-selling M&M. I mean, would you even dispute that? Come on. <laughs>
2: I don't know if I'd dispute it, but I, I just think, I mean, people are stupid. Uh, the general public uh, public is very stupid, but uh, I don't know. Peanut M&Ms every, are, to me are, are just the superior, but that's fine.
0: Every week with the grocery order, I, I get the 19-ounce family-size M&M bag. Everybody enjoys them. The boy calls them Skittles.
2: Oh, no, that's right. Don't love that either, but that's
0: I'll say I want some Skittles. I gotta correct them. I'm like, listen, I'm not gonna tell you again. These are M&Ms. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop giving them to you until you start calling them by their proper name. But um, yeah, no. And I just finished off the bag. I got like five or six left. The bag's empty. And uh, tomorrow's grocery day, so we'll get another uh, family size M&M bag in here. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't like Chikara M&Ms. I the hazelnut ones aren't bad, but that's basically just chocolate. So you know. What do you want from me? I don't know. I don't so
2: Okay, me- so J-Pop in the, in the chat room, and, and he has the same experience that I have, because I have a vending machine at my work. Uh, he says the normal M&Ms never get sold in the vending machine at my work, and they're exactly the same for mine, too. I've never once I- seen somebody walk by me with a normal bag of M&Ms, but I see people walk by me with a, a bag of peanut M&Ms every single day. So maybe it's a, uh, I know J-Pop's a Chicago-area Midwest guy, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a Midwest thing. But uh...
0: I'll bet anyone on earth that the regular M&Ms are the best-selling M&Ms. I'm, I, it's just, I'm so confident.
2: I, you know, I wouldn't take that bet because I, I think you're probably right, but I don't know. To me, in my, in my experience, I, uh, I don't know. I always, I see, I see people.
0: I don't, see, here's the thing. I don't really like peanuts. It's a lousy snack. Okay. So why would that's... I want it? You know what I mean? Like, who sits there and eats peanuts? I mean, that's, the, that's a bottom tier snack. Like, I love peanuts. If you've got, if, if you go to my, my pantry right now, the last things that ever get eaten are like just a fucking thing of planters, peanuts, <laughs> I love peanuts. and and pretzels. Like, oh, hearts. man, those are my
2: two favorite things.
0: That's the shit that never gets. <laughs> Send eaten.
2: them my way, man. Send them. I'll give you my address. Send me those peanuts and pretzels. I'll eat them all. That,
0: that's the shit that gets eaten God, on Thursday are the night. Best. Oh, I love pretzels Be, because you go grocery shopping Friday. That's what's left on Thursday. The chips are gone. The candy's gone. The M&M's, the chocolate. The uh, uh whatever the fuck, the last things remaining are always like that thing of planters peanuts and like maybe some pretzel sticks. Nobody likes
2: that. Uh, you know, I will say I do not like pretzel sticks. I'm more of a that's an, what uh, I'm talking about. Twist like pretzel, sticks yeah, yeah, pretzel sticks are kind of are... lame. Yeah, they're kind of stupid. They just Terrible. it's just a way to make crumbs. It's just a way that they have to clean up after you eat. But yeah, pretzel twists are fantastic. I will. I won't. Uh...
0: It's a way to eat salt. Just admit it. You're eating pretzel sticks because you like salt, and you don't want to go. And take a handful of salt and stuff it down your stupid face, so you eat it on the pretzel stick instead. Because no one likes those crunchy pretzel sticks. You like that crystallized salt that's on there.
2: True. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I will. I will defend normal pretzels. I will defend other types of pretzels. I do not like the pretzel sticks, though. I will. I will like you know the Snyder's sourdough nibblers. Those you know the nibblers. I like those guys. I like the twists. I like a lot wow. of different pretzels. You know. The big pretzels, the Snyder's, like, giant pretzels. You open the bag and there's only, like, five pretzels in there, but there's this behemoth, like, fucking nine-inch, you know, wide pretzels. I enjoy those ones. That's that I'll cool. eat,
0: but I prefer a soft pretzel, a northeastern, you know, Philadelphia-style soft pretzel to any kind of hard pretzel.
2: Okay? That's fair. That's fair.
0: And, and not just Annie Ann's mall bullshit. No,
2: God, get that pretzel. shit out of here. No, I, I'm with you.
0: People rave about this Annie Ann's. It doesn't taste like pretzel. It tastes like bread. Like, it's not the pretzel. Do you know the distinctive pretzel flavor I'm talking sure. about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get an Annie Ann's pretzel, it doesn't have that flavor.
2: It's just dough. It's just, yeah. It's just, it's just a massive dough with salt on it. Yeah.
0: It's some dopey 16 year old like, who can't even get the shape right. The whole gimmick is they do it in front of you. You're supposed to be, I don't, listen, I don't need to see you make it.
2: <laughs> just make okay? it. I don't give a shit.
0: Just fucking make it and sell it to me. You know, I don't need that. That doesn't do anything for me. You know, this whole trend too, like in the the, the, the early aughts, was the whole new trend was open kitchens. And yeah,
2: fast ca- the fast casual open kitchen was a, a... fuck
0: that. I don't want to know what's going on back there. <laughs> All I want is a meal presented to me. I don't need to see the fucking chef back there. I don't even care that they're doing nasty shit. I've been in kitchens. You don't want to know. Oh, I oh All, yeah for sure. And I, and here's the thing, Rich. I don't care. I don't care. I just want the meal presented to me, and I want to be ignorant.
2: Well, they're always better too. The places where you don't know what's going on, or like I always, I, I think we, you and I have talked about this before. But the best Chinese restaurants are the ones where you walk in. It's like a little, you know, it's just a counter or whatever. And I, I, I don't know if you guys have this. And I, I, I'm guessing Texas isn't really brimming with great Chinese food. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm sure in New Jersey you you had this, and it's like yeah. you walk in. Everything's dirty. There's dead plants everywhere. You walk in, yeah. like a lady comes up. She goes, "Okay, uh, one moment." She goes to the back. There's bang. it's mean, just the, the loudest. Um, like you have no idea what's going back on back there. There's like a tarp. She goes to the back. There's just fucking walks banging off the floor and everything. She screams something, and all of a sudden she comes back out with your food. And you go, oh, "Thank you." And then you go, and it's fucking delicious. I don't know what happened back there. I don't know why the walks are on the floor. I don't know why everyone's screaming at one another. I don't care. <laughs> like my fucking yeah. ses- my sesame chicken's fantastic, and I, that's all I care about. So. The, the,
0: the most – this is going to blow people's minds, but I've been in the restaurant business for decades. The, the cleanest and most sanitary restaurants I've ever been in are chains, are chains that hire minimum wage teenagers because they're so scared of health inspections and corporate inspections that everyone's wearing their gloves and everyone's doing everything by the book. and They're doing temperature checks three times a day. And the dirtiest, nastiest places I've ever worked are five-star restaurants with executive chefs. Yeah, Those guys walk down the line, stick their fingers in the sauces and taste it to make sure that it tastes. I've seen chefs stick their dirty hands in food more times than I can count. And that's the kind of shit that never happens in, like, Pizza Hut. That never happens. Everyone's doing everything by the book in places like that because they're terrified executive chefs walking down the line tasting everything and then yelling at everybody for not making it right? It, th- those are always the filthiest, dirtiest kitchens. Cigarettes hanging out of people's mouths as they're doing dishes, chefs sticking their fingers in the sauce. That's... And and that's where people think, you know, meanwhile, you're out there...
2: Yeah, you're paying $100 for this plate and they're squishing fucking <laughs> bugs while they're, you know, stirring up the sauce.
0: Yes. That's... It, it's the total opposite you would think. So... Uh, again, people don't want to know. I don't know how M&M Talk circled into I this. I have no but,
2: idea. Well, we just don't really want to uh, talk about New Japan, which people brought up that they so badly don't want to talk about uh, <laughs> New Japan that now they're uh, we're, we're talking about mall food. But, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, we do have Chinese in Texas. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but it's different. I've that had Chinese
2: food in, 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 like, random places that you wouldn't think so. And it, it it's fine. It's okay. But, yeah, there's something about, like... Just, you know, a, a city or like a, the suburbs of a city, just like some terrible, dingy strip mall building and the dead plants. The, the, the key to me is it's got it. there's got to be like a dead plant in the window. That's never, it hasn't been watered since like 1994. You know, when they yeah. bought the place, they've had this plant It said, ah, yes, like this will bring people in if we show that. And they haven't watered it since then. It doesn't matter though, because it's still fucking tremendous. So, yeah, it's greasy. Yeah. The it's is- just a nice, it's got a, it's a certain level of grease though. It can't be too greasy, but.
0: The thing is like um health inspectors and people like that they go easier on places like that than they do on like Burger King. Yeah. Like, right right right. They're going to nail Burger King to the wall for every little tiny infraction. But if they walk into a five-star restaurant or a mom and pop Chinese restaurant with the dead plant in the front, they're not nearly as hard on places like that. They just go easier on them. It's just, you know, it's like they feel like they can really stick it to the corporate quote unquote corporate places and you know, they're not as hard on the other you know, uh, you know, non-franchise style restaurants. But um, anyway, the New Japan franchise is not in great shape. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: Speaking of shitty franchises um, that aren't as uh, as good as they uh, should be, uh, New Japan.
0: Yeah, I, I. You know, look. I don't think these shows were terrible, but I don't think they were good either. And I wasn't. The booking was. You know the thing about the match lengths. It's not the lengths of the matches. It's no, no, matches no. People people
2: think that you and I are stopwatch guys or that I'm a stopwatch guy. And if a match goes over 30 minutes, I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, no, dude, I just mentioned that Shingo and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi went 38 minutes or whatever the hell they went. doesn't matter. Uh, this weekend, Go Shiozaki is going to go, you know, or, or we'll talk about it here in a bit. It's probably going to go 40 minutes with Keiji Mudo. Or whatever. It's not about stopwatches. It's not about after over 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, that's not what's going to happen. But, yeah, it, it's it's context. It's wrestlers. It's environment. It's. The background, it's the the build. There's so much that matters uh, in the length of a match, and yeah, that, that it, 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 we do need to distinguish that because I think people think that you know we have a stopwatch. And anytime time it goes over 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, here we go. This match sucks now, and it's it's not the case at all.
0: It's 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 like okay, so the tag title match they go 30 minutes. It's not that they went 30 minutes. It's that they went 30 minutes and then did comedy with the Iron Fingers and did a DQ. Right. Now you're just wasting my time because. You could have done all that in 13 minutes. You didn't have to go a half hour. And they did this hard-hitting, like, physical match for 23 minutes. And then it just changed on a dime when they start fighting over the Iron Glove. And they start doing the comedy from the tour. And then they, do a, they don't they do even give us a finish. Then they do a DQ. And that just angered me. Because now you've wasted my time. If you do that same match in 13 minutes, I'm not ranting about it right now. I may not like it because I don't care about either one of these teams and I don't care about the stupid Iron Glove and I don't care about these titles, but at least you've only wasted 13 minutes of my time instead of a half hour. And you didn't drag me down this road and start telling me one story of this hard-hitting physical match where Tonga Loa is dropping people on their heads and Zack Sabre Jr. is stretching guys and then all of a sudden you're fighting over this stupid Iron Glove, a story that I don't care about, okay? And maybe you do care about it, but you could have told this story in 12 minutes instead of 29. That's when match length becomes an issue. It's not that Hiromu and Show went 35 minutes and broke the record for longest junior match. It's that the match was listless right. and not very exciting and boring. And yeah, the work was fine, but there was no story. It was your turn, my turn. And it, there was nothing exciting or interesting about it.
2: Yeah, with six different, and, uh, six different trade-offs of, of, of elbow strikes for about a minute straight, too. I, I was like, when they did it with the, like the third time, like, all right, we get it, guys. The elbow strikes. We got it. Move on. Like, let's find something else.
0: Yeah, and if you give me a great match, I don't care if it goes 35 minutes. We've praised many. 60 minute,
2: minute matches. In twenty twenty we praised yes. multiple sixty minute matches in front of no crowds. Jeremy Wyatt, Fred Yehi. would love that match. Sixty minutes, no crowd. Fucking Segura and Goshiozaki, sixty minutes, no you know, barely any crowd. Crowd that can't do anything, raved about it. Yeah, it's not it's not the stopwatch. Rich, it's not it's at all. Shingo
0: Chingo and Tanahashi from last week. Right. It, it's it, it's it's so people are harping too much on the match length, but what the thing about it is if the matches aren't good, okay, if you're gonna go long, the match better be good. That's the, that's what this comes down to. It's not that it's the match length, which is causing these matches not to be good or interesting. Okay, Hiromu Show was just a well worked match that wasn't very interesting. I had no issues with the work. It was just dull, mm-hmm. and there was no story. And it wasn't interesting. I, and then you have to sit through 35 minutes of a dull, uninteresting match with no story.
2: Right. I, I think I, I'm kind of curious on, on your thought on this. And this might be a bit of a hot take. And I, I don't mean to. to, to oh, to, I, got,
0: I have a hot take to end all hot takes in a minute. But go ahead. Do
2: you want Okay. How about you do it? How about you do it? Because I, 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 I wonder there's if the way at, we have the same one. There's we there's no might. We, we, we might go. Go with yours first. And, and we'll see if we do.
0: My hot take and. Everyone's gonna hate my guts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, mine is mine is gonna be. It might be the same one because everyone's gonna hate mine too. So and
0: ahead. I don't care because it has to be said. Hiromu Takahashi is overrated.
2: Oh, <laughs> that was I saw, okay. Mine was I a little different. Mine was a little different. Yours is a little hotter, and and you are gonna get a lot of shit for that one for sure. But so,
0: I do think I think Takahashi is overrated. He is a one trick pony. If he's not out there putting his life in danger he underwhelms
2: okay so i my he, i had a similar hot take so I, let me just do mine real quick and then you can kind of go, go my thing is in it's it's the similar to you is not necessarily do i think that Horoma was overrated or stinks or whatever i just don't know oh,
0: oh i didn't say he stinks
2: oh just overrated. okay i got you don't
0: put words yeah, in my no, mouth i don't right, think he stinks <laughs> i think he's great Reddit's but good. i also think he's overrated i think it's possible to be great and also be overrated. Okay,
2: that that's fair. Well, my my thing is is Go not ahead. necessarily my my. So I, I'll do mine, and then you can kind of uh, yeah. uh you know either respond or, or do yours. Is my thing is not necessarily that I think Hiromu is overrated, or that I think Haro. My thing is more. That if you are going to push Hiromu as a main eventer, which I think that there is definitely evidence that that is worth doing, and there's definitely you know reasons to eventually decide that this guy is going to become a main eventer, he's going to be in the title mixes, he's going to obviously I think he's going to be doing the anniversary show uh, again this year. He was in the main event here of this night, one of Hiroshima. You know, like it's clear that that is the direction of Hiromu. The junior title that is that's where he's at now, but I I think the long term is much bigger for Hiromu, and I think Hiromu is really good. But what I think, though, is if you are going to push Hiromu, and Hiromu is going to be in main events, that he does not excel at 35-minute, 40-minute, 30-minute matches. Now, does that make him overrated? Maybe. And and that's where I'll let you kind of give your your... Point of the argument to me though, I think he's a guy who I wouldn't call him a one-trick pony. I wouldn't say that he's a guy who who only you know when he's trying to kill himself is good. I think he's best though when he does that. I think he excels at those matches that are kind of car crashes that are short, uh, that, that 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 you know are compact, that are this guy's gonna kill himself to win this match in as quickly a, 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 or as short as time as possible. To me, those are the matches where Haruma really excels, and that's where he's really great. So to me, if I am if if I'm deciding, hey, this guy who I think is going to be a big draw. And is a good merch seller and is popular, or whatever. If we're gonna push in main events. Then we don't need to put him in this. Okay, well you're in a you're in a main event now. So this main event's got to go thirty minutes. It, it, that, that is my concern with Aroma. Is that I think he's really really good at what he does. And I think there's a way to maximize what you have with Hiromu, putting him in main events and having him go 40 minutes, I don't think is maximizing his talents. I don't think it's it's utilizing him, him, him in the best way. Now, you may interpret that as him being overrated. I interpret that in New Japan having one style that they want for their main events and not being able to adapt or, 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 or change to it because I do think that you can have a Hiromu main event. Uh, against uh, Okada or whatever, or Naito or whatever, and you can do that match, but it can go 15 minutes. It can go with a trying to bust his ass to, to 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 die to win that match, and I think that's fine with me, and I'd be totally okay with that. But so we have kind of the same thought, but you're interpreting. I I'm looking at New Japan and saying, hey guys, adapt your style to this guy, maximize his talents. Like you know, the famous example that I always bring up is you know when when WWF signs or WB at that time signed signed uh, you know they signed Scott Steiner, and they decide all right. Steiner big pop of pump uh, you're in a main event with Triple H you got to go 40 minutes now at the Royal Rumble and and, and do a back and forth uh, thing cuz Triple H is doing his Harley Race thing right now and it exposed Scott Steiner and it was immediately done they did the same thing with Goldberg at the same time they decided well kid you know if you're working our style you got to work our style and they didn't maximize what Goldberg gave them and instead, they ended up flopping, you know, both Steiner and Goldberg ended up flopping when I think that they had some, some life to them. Uh, and Goldberg eventually, you know, would come back later and, and, and prove that, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good if you just put me in, you know, two to five minute matches or whatever. That, to me, is my interpretation. We have the same point, maybe we've come to the same conclusion, but for me, I look at it as, let's maximize what Harumu does bring us, and maybe you have a different take on that by, by you thinking that he's overrated. So, I'll let you have the floor.
0: I just think when he has a match like this, he's a very average wrestler. That's all. I mean, I don't think he's bad, and I still think he's a great wrestler, and I don't expect the guy to go out there, I mean, he already broke his neck once. And ironically, it wasn't even with one of his wacky moves, it was just a bump that went bad. But and I don't expect him to go out there and especially as he gets older and and put his body on the line and 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 almost kill himself every time he wrestles. That's not fair to expect out of him either. But he I I've just seen too many examples over the last year or so where or since he's come back, really, where he has matches like this where he tries to work in a different way, and it just doesn't land. He's just not very good. He's not as good as when he's out there trying to kill himself.
2: And, I agree. but
0: and I, and I agree with everything you said because I just don't think he excels at this style, and it, his matches, they, they end up being dull. I mean, it's just, it's, he's, he's best in the world at one specific thing, Because when he is having his style of match, he can't be touched. Right? But then he goes out and has a match like this. And this is not an anomaly. There's other examples of match. You know, his last match was show from December. wasn't Mm -hmm. anything.
2: The evil match. The evil match from last year, in the main event.
0: Yeah, the evil match. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. And it's like um, a lot of people didn't like the Wrestle Kingdom match against Ishimori. You know, I like that better than this one. But again, I I think he loses a lot when he's not out there wrestling like a wild man with no regard for his body. And I don't think like, I, I think he's a great wrestler, but I do think he's overrated to some extent. I don't think he's, I think there's, um, you know, he's not well-rounded enough. And, and there's too many matches like this. And um, I don't know. He's not a guy where I'll be honest with you. There's times I'm not excited to watch him wrestle. I mean, depending on opponent, and what I think he's going to do. And then there's other times where it's like, you know, I know they're going to like, if he wrestles Will Ospreay or something, obviously it's going to be great. If he wrestles, uh, you know, Desperado or, you know, he's in a super junior match and I, he's in the semi main event against a guy. And I know they're just going to go wild, you know, but you know, the whole big picture, this is a thought I've been having for a while, but I've just never said it. Cause I didn't want to deal with it, but I do think, to some extent, he's an overrated wrestler. I because there's people who think he's like best in the world, and I don't even think hes, he's not best in the world. That's a crazy take. He just—I um, think he loses a lot of his charisma too when he wrestles this style. You know, so I don't know. Um, That—that's my take. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think he stinks. I'm not trying to be Stephen A. Smith. I just think he's—he's he's a little overrated. I do. I—I I do truly believe he's a little overrated.
2: Yeah, so we we have kind of the same because I, I don't think he excels in these style of matches, and I guess that to me is going to be the the, the thing that I if I'm New Japan I I wonder moving forward. Okay, do because. I don't think that this train's going to stop. I think that they're obviously going to continue to push him throughout this next year. Uh, the anniversary show, he's probably going to be against Naito because that's what they wanted to do last year and it didn't quite happen. Like the trajectory I of Haruma. Remote- yeah.
0: I, I question if he can hang as a main eventer now in heavyweight style. I, I don't, because the matches are dumb. Yeah, I- maybe.
2: Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I, I don't disagree, but then I, I wonder if does new Japan say, if you're new Japan, do you say, okay, let's adapt or kind of change what we consider a quote unquote main event style. To what this guy does well, because it's there's undeniable that he's popular. It's undeniable that, that, that there, there's something there with him, that there's a crowd attachment, that that we think he's the guy that we're going to try him out as, as a star. Do you think that they are strict on, okay, well, you're going to have to work these types of matches and, and you'll have to get better at it? Or do they adapt what they think of as, as a main event style and, and and kind of adapt it to him? And it's going to be an interesting push and pull because I don't dis, I, I I completely don't I, I don't disagree with you at all that that is going to come to a, a a head because I don't think you could just you know in a year's time push this guy to have forty minute main events you, you know he, every single you know big month or whatever I he I just don't see it in him and that's fine like to me I don't care I don't need that but but it seems like you kind of need or or, or want him to prove it in that standpoint before you really push him as a main eventer.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he obviously has charisma, and he's popular and all that. I just – and look, maybe he can evolve and get better at this style. I I don't know. I Look, there's just a certain way you need to work at the top of a New Japan card, and I don't know – here's the thing. But but do you? I guess
2: that's my question is do you. That is
0: your question. But it's like I don't think he can keep – see, I don't know – I don't even know if it's fair to expect him to go out there and put his life in danger every time he wrestles either. I think for the sake of his career and his body, he's trying to learn how to throw forearms at show for 35 minutes instead of falling on his neck for third Sure, for, it's for, definitely
2: the better, the better long-term strategy is let me learn how to you know, throw elbow strikes and, and work over a body part instead of, yeah, you know, do, do fucking cannonballs into the corner every single time that I'm in a match. And so. I think
0: it's fair to say he doesn't have great chemistry with show uh, because I didn't love their December match. I didn't think Hiromu had a great Super Junior tournament. I think, I think it was good, but I've seen better Super Junior tournaments in recent years than the one he had last year from him and from other people. A lot of the matches in his Super Junior were really good matches that were missing something, or they were a little listless. Um, you know, he topped out at like four stars for most of those matches. I'm talking the, the round robin portion. You know, um, I'm looking back at my notes now to see if my memory matches what I'm, what I actually thought in real time. And I thought he peaked with the Robbie Eagles match. I went four and a quarter on that. And these are just dopey star ratings, but it's a good idea of uh, of what I was thinking at the time. And then he had a couple of matches where I went four flat, you know, uh, against Dokai, against Sho. And it's like, this is Hiromu though. And this is a guy who some people think is the best wrestler in the world. How come he's not going out there and putting up four and a half stars every night in a tournament like Best of Super Junior? Because it's just something always seems to be missing with him. You know, and it's, it's it doesn't mean that I don't think he's great because I do. But I just think that you know, I, there's no other, I don't know. I'm going to keep repeating myself. I just think he's a little overrated. That doesn't mean I think he's not good. That doesn't mean I don't think he's great. But I do think he's overhyped to some extent. And his output since he's returned from the injury has been a little spotty. I, is that totally unfair?
2: Ah uh, no no, I, I, and I agree with you. It, it to me the the stuff that he's excelled at is the stuff that he's always excelled at. The 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 kind of the car crash matches, the matches against high flyers, the matches against juniors, the ones that are a little bit more compact, like that sort of stuff is is. He, I think he's still excelled in. But you're absolutely right that there are a few examples, especially in you know main events over the last year, where where yeah, in the big time spots, it has felt kind of dull at times. But again, I I don't I don't know if that's something that to me, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, hey, you have Hiromu, and I think Hiromu's really, really good, so do you adapt and change and, 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 and sort of tailor your style? Uh, you, you know, Do you tailor to him, or do you tell him he has to tailor his style? Because whatever's going on, I, I don't know that what's going on right now is going to work if he's in multiple you know 40 minutes. So something needs to change, uh, one way or another. Either he's got to adapt his style, or New Japan has to adapt their style. And, and I don't know. It, it, it's interesting.
0: Or, I mean, he's just going to wrestle this way in main events, and they're going to draw money, and we're just not going to like them that much. I mean, what did you think of this Hiromu Show match? I thought it was a dreadfully boring match that the work was fine. It had no connective tissue. They didn't tell a a story that I could decipher and they just took turns. And, you know, it was, and because it was so long, it made it worse because, and, and, you know, I thought it was like, I don't know, a three and a quarter star match or something. And and this is a main event of a show, and it's Hiromu Takahashi. This is a guy who you should be able to write it down. This guy's going to threaten the the five star scale every time he gets in the Mm -hmm. ring, based on his reputation and what we've seen from him. So that's what I mean when I say he's overrated. I could start naming wrestlers that I'm not going to do it because I'm going to get enough trouble
1: for this (laughs) team. Oh, yeah.
0: But it's like they're not going to put up a match like this in this spot. Come on now. And there's a number of them, they're not a whole litany of them because there's There's not – there might be only 15 or 20 guys better than him in the world. He's still – he's great. Yeah. But I just don't think he's like – I can't put him in the conversation for best wrestler in the world when matches like this show match are just far too common. And he hasn't shown it. He's trying to force this square peg in a round hole. He's not cut out for this style. Yeah, I'm, enough, I'm done. I'm done with this. No,
2: you're, you good, you're good. You're good. No, I, 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 I did not love the match either. I thought it was fine, but I'm the same way. I was kind of, I was just bored. I was just like, okay, what, what are we doing here? What's going on? And then, then. As the match is going and going and going, I'm like, oh man, we're just gonna go, we're gonna go 30 minutes here. We're just gonna you know, stretch this thing out, and it it felt like they had a, a 15 minute match, and they got the call that hey, you guys are going 30 minutes, so decided to fill that time with you know elbow strikes or, or, or something like that. So, I mean, ultimately, I thought it was like okay, it, it was fine. It definitely hurt that it was like you know right after the fucking horrendous tag team title match that I just never want to remember ever again. Uh, that probably hurt a little bit. Maybe on its own, I'd like it a little bit more, but I don't know. It was it was fine. Like I I I, I didn't. I definitely I'm with you, though, that to me, the, the you know, the ceiling or, or the kind of the trajectory of, of main events in New Japan probably should be a little bit higher than than what these guys did here. So I, it makes me worry a little bit for both these guys, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, show is a whole nother conversation. You know, I'm, I'm cooling off on him, too. I mean, I thought maybe he was someone who can break out and also possibly become a heavyweight. I'm not seeing that right now. And and again, this also could be because these two guys just don't have don't work that great together, or just their minds don't work as well to put together a, a super compelling match, or whatever the issue is. But I've definitely cooled off on show to some extent as well, to where I think maybe no, he maybe he just really is just a nice little junior, you know. And and maybe that ceiling that I thought was oh, you know, maybe if everything breaks right, I didn't think he was like some kind of lock to become a megastar.
2: Right, right. But of course I, not.
0: But. But but it was more like, okay, if everything breaks right, maybe this guy, because he's a power junior... Well, after those Shingo
2: matches last year, I mean, man, it felt like the trajectory was, like, fucking unbelievable. Well, you know what?
0: Because you brought that up, there's Shingo and then there's Hiromu. And I don't mean that as an insult, but Shingo is a lock to deliver every time any opponent. I mean, to me, that's why I can't call, call Hiromu the best in the world, when people like Shingo exist, and it's like, when have we ever come on this show and talked about a shingle match like we're talking about this match in a main event of a show? It doesn't happen. The guy's a machine. You know what I mean? So it's like and and I didn't want to get into comparing him to other wrestlers because then you know how that goes. And mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah, really yeah, deal yeah. with that. And and it's like but that's a perfect look. I mean, you know, look at the shingle matches versus the same opponent. You know? And 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 we have and again, maybe it's just these two guys not having ke- sometimes wrestlers don't have chemistry
2: right but, too great sometimes two great wrestlers it just it just doesn't right. work yeah many examples but,
0: but where but i also wasn't blown away by haramu's super junior um and some of his other matches over the last year where to me and it's like all right i didn't really say anything at the time because it's like yeah you know pandemic and you know it's one match. You know everybody has a, but now like, it's kind of a trail here of matches that underwhelm. And, and and keep in mind some of these matches, I I even said, all right, I went four stars on them. Right, They're right, right, now. right.
2: It's just yeah, you go in with a little bit more expectations than that. And but then and the I
0: think bar is so high with this guy. That's why I say it's possible to be overrated and still be
2: great. Right, and and, and again, like you know, I I I don't think it's. All, I mean, this is so. This was a thirty-five, whatever the hell it was, thirty-six-minute uh, junior match featuring Hiromu Takahashi in the main event of of, of a show uh, on cage match right now. Seven point five one, which again is a decent rating. That's a good match rating, but we're talking, I mean, the thirty-five minutes with Hiromu in a main event, like you expect a little bit more on cage match or on on grapple. I should say it's under four stars right now by average three point eight
0: six. So, uh, Hiroto shell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was an underwhelming match. That, I didn't even so, say, yeah, it, I don't think either one of us said it was a bad match. No, no, said no, but I'm just, so,
2: I'm just saying it's not Joe and Rich are grumps and and, and, and dis, you know, dislike this match and think it sucks or whatever. It, a lot of people also agree that it was a little underwhelming and didn't quite deliver, and that to me is a little, you know, it makes me worry a little bit because it's like, man, that should have been. Like, if you read that on, if you read it on paper and I told you, you didn't watch it and I said Hiromu and Show went 35 minutes in the main event in a junior match, you're probably thinking, oh, man, that had to be awesome and then you see these and it's like yeah no it was it was, it was good <laughs> it, was, it was just good which yeah i guess i don't know if that's our own expectations we have to adjust our expectations but i mean this is a company that's delivered on that level in main events for for a decade now so i mean just
0: go out there and have a Horomu match why are you trying to reinvent the wheel
2: I, I mean that's what i agree with yeah i mean that's that's my stance
0: i mean and i and i, and I know that's what you're saying too but it's like go out there and have a haromu match i mean it's like we saw this against Evil, too. And, okay, that's a bigger opponent and all that. But this is a junior match. Right. Go out there and have a junior match. You don't have to prove anything to me by throwing fucking forearms for 35 minutes. I don't want to see that. It's not as interesting. It's not what you do best. You know? And it wasn't like Sho dragged Hiromu into his match. He didn't grapple him. He didn't – this was Hiromu and Show trying to, like, prove something. That we can go out there and throw forearms. And, and it just it didn't land. And, you know, if it was a one-off, that's one thing. I don't know. I just kind of see it's, it's kind of been a pattern. So um, at the risk of repeating myself, I'm going to stop. He's,
1: just, <laughs> he's slightly
0: overrated. He's a, he's a great wrestler yeah. who's a little overrated. I, don't, I think there's a, a handful of wrestlers who are clearly, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't put them, you know, because of matches like this.
2: So you you mentioned the tag team title match. I don't know that we need to go into too much more because I don't want to waste people's time on a match that wasted everyone's time uh, again. Yeah. But I mean, it went 30 minutes and then it was a DQ, which always sucks. I mean, I get mad when when matches are 15 minutes and they go to DQ. It's just when it's a long match to end it on a DQ is just yeah. ah, it's infuriating. It's infuriating in any company, uh, but especially this one. It 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 it's it stands out even a little bit more. So
0: yeah, no, it's just um a terrible finish. If you're going to do a match of that length, my issue isn't even necessarily with the finish. It's whatever, because I don't care about these guys anyway, any either team, but a half hour. And then you do all that at the end. You're right. After it it, a kind of fe- it feels like match. a
2: slap of a face. It feels like a slap in the face. Yeah,
0: e- exactly. Exactly. And then the rest of the, I mean, this was a lousy sh- show. This Hiroshima show, just it, this first night, it was just wasn't good. I mean, Naito just definitively, Put this Hanma thing behind them, but that was just a tag. And the Sonata Abushi—they just couldn't, you know, those guys couldn't get heat with a blowtorch on this whole tour. I mean, just, (laughs) just, you know, the Naito Hanma thing felt hotter. Oh, absolutely!
2: I was way more looking forward to a Naito Hanma match that we never got, you know, in 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 full. But uh, yeah, I couldn't wait for that match, and I was just kind of dreading Abushi and Sonata, which we'll talk about here in a bit. I was I was right to uh, dread that match coming up, so.
0: Yeah, and uh, the most interesting match on night one to me, honestly, honest to God, was the opener with Uemura stepping up to Minoru Suzuki. Uemura, to me, is high praise. And again, I'm not making a one-to-one comp. To me, I'm seeing some Shibata in this guy. That's what I see. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I I, I,
2: no, I, and I don't think that's and, super hot. T- I mean, I think when he came in, I, I, I saw the same thing. I mean, the, the look... <laughs> The the appear. I think we maybe made that comp when he first appeared. <laughs> you know, that's why I think we made the comp of you know he looks like a 1993 like you know New Japan young lion guy that's you know the seconding you, you know uh, uh, Koji Kanemoto out to the ring or whatever. But like no, I think yeah, I I, I I I see the Shibata in him too. I really do. I think I think Sky's guy's a limit for that guy. I think he's tremendous, and 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 we'll see how it goes. But yeah, will he reach the, the the peaks that Shibata you know reached? I I don't know, but I I don't think you're nuts for for seeing a little bit of him in that.
0: Yeah, and I and I think this is deliberate. This Suzuki stuff, kind of to give people the impression that this guy is is going to be uh, hard hitting when he's oh, fully formed. Oh yeah, matched. yeah, and they
2: get it. I mean, if you look at the book, and I think I talked about it in the uh, the ebook, is you look at the booking of him, and you look at the way they've the the people that he's in there with. It's it's not just you and it's not Joe and Rich who think amora is you know. A bit, look at the booking. Look who he's in the ring with. Look who he interacts yeah. with. Like he interacts with main roster guys a lot. The other guys do not. The other guys will occasionally jump in there and Yotsuji you know jumps in there, but is kind of like, you know, the understudy of Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's the style. is not in the understudy. Uh is like getting in there and mixing it up with these other guys and 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 punching them back and doing that sort of stuff. So it's clear that they they definitely see something for this guy in the in the future. So no doubt.
0: No great matches on night two either. Um,
2: no. <laughs> definitely not.
0: <laughs> the 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 Kota Abushi Sonata match, I mean <sighs> You know, they had the disappointing G1 match that was mostly botchless. So this was like regressing back to the mean because I thought Sonata was terrible in this match. And not just the obvious stuff like the cutter to the floor, which was one of the most embarrassing spots <laughs> you'll see in New Japan. So I mean, but he, he was, you know, then he did a pop up cutter in the ring a few minutes later where it was just he did it to air. You know, he was nowhere near a Bushi on that one. They actually replayed that cutter to the floor. What are they replaying?
2: I know. I, what do you do? Like, dude, I have a buddy who works in like – he works in, in – in he's like one of the big replay guys for all the major sports. So he's everywhere. He was just at the Super Bowl doing all that sort of stuff. Like he – they have this like crew and they're like the top replay crew in the world. And my buddy somehow found a way uh, to get in there. It's a fascinating job to to learn the world of sports replays or whatever. But there's a guy's – job. there's one guy that sits there and his job is to watch it and go, nope. No, no. And and, and cut it exactly. And you have about four seconds to decide what you're going to do. But I think like, how do you not see that this is not what you want to go to a replay to, especially in New Japan where it's not, you know, on the Super Bowl, you're replaying every single play over and over again. You need to find the right shot, the right angle, when to cut it, all that sort of stuff. New Japan show was like what three, four replays a show at most. I mean, four, or five. I mean, maybe one or two a match or whatever. Who said? Yeah, let's show this. Saw it in the replay monitor and said, yeah, sure. Let's let's show this one again. Like that's one you just dump. That's when you hit the delete on and go. Ah, we'll grab it another time, guys. We don't need that one. That's uh, that was brutal. Yeah.
0: This is um, you know this this was similar to the Hiromu show match except the Hiromu show match was better worked. Um, this was. This was listless and and just dull, but also featured some sloppy work. Look, I don't think it was Now maybe I do think it was bad. I was gonna say I don't think it was but maybe it was bad. I mean
2: I thought it was bad. I didn't enjoy I, it. I have no I have no issue saying it was bad. I I, I thought this match sucked. I, I I really did not like it. It's, I mean, the baseline of work was, was good, but that's—I mean—that's not enough.
0: Was me. it though? I mean, I, I don't even know if the baseline of work I, I was don't know. good. I
2: guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Coda, I thought was—I thought Coda was fine in it, but not enough to overcome <laughs> what I thought was a horrendous, horrendous. Yeah, hor- uh, Sonata
0: uh, was bad. It had no heat coming in. Um, the the winner was never in doubt. That's another big problem. You could overcome that, but they didn't, and it just wasn't interesting. That's the problem. These two main events just weren't interesting. And I don't know. I thought it was like a three-star match. And I don't think that's not the New Japan standard. What we've learned here since New Japan has restarted is that they are no longer a lock to have great big shows. Because they have had a lot of big shows since the restart in this pandemic era that have just not been good shows at all. These two weren't good. Last summer, I thought they had a a three or four show string that weren't good. Um, They're just not a lock and, and some of it's atmosphere, but you know what? Other companies are overcoming the atmosphere. So I don't think that's too easy just to blame the atmosphere and to blame COVID when everyone's working under the same handicaps. And other companies are able to overcome it.
2: Well, oh, yeah, I talked about it a few weeks so, ago. Like, I'm done with that either because you've had a year now to adapt and 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 learn. I get right out of the gates. New Japan Cup, I get it. It's like, man, what the hell is going on? How do we work in front of no fans? How we, or or even the first little run of, of clap crowds. It's like, oh man, this is weird. The clap, we've had a year now. I mean, there, there nothing is new about the world that we're living in right now. This is we're all used to this. We all know what's going on. And and yeah, it's on you now for not adapting because other companies have adapted and thrived. I don't even think there's
0: anything different that they can do. It just, I mean. What are they supposed to do? They're not allowed to cheer. It's not a New Japan mandate, right? I mean, that's, isn't that the, co- the, the country? Or is it a New Japan? I mean, I don't know the ins and outs. It's, but a, really- it,
2: I, believe, I believe it's a country mandate. Because I, I remember there yeah. was those videos of people going to uh, you know, theme parks and you know yeah. scream, scream with your mind or whatever the hell. <laughs> scream with your heart or whatever the thing there's was. nothing but, else yeah.
0: they can do. I just think it is what it is. But I just don't think it's the atmosphere. I think we're in a new era of this company. It just this is what they are now. Um, and and this second show is just an overbooked mess. I mean, the whole Monday Night Raw thing with with Okada and oh, Evil, it's just embarrassing. But I will say this. It was far less offensive to me than the tag team title DQ because they didn't waste a half hour of my time.
1: True. The, I, the, tag, I, yeah. match, okay.
0: the tag match, they did the double count out in a minute. And then Okada starts shit talking Evil and Trying to bait him into a match. And Evil's like, fuck you. I'm not wrestling you. So, in a big surprise, Teddy Long comes out and he goes, hold on now, player. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. Whoa, oh,
0: yeah. hold on now, player. You know, <laughs> yeah. with his oversized suit. And he makes the match.
2: Evil, <laughs> you're not getting away that easily.
0: <laughs> right. And they make the match and they get in there and then they, then they only waste five more minutes of my time. Right. Until Dick Togo. Why did Dick to- <laughs> Let me ask you a question.
2: <laughs> if you're asking Dick why he know. waited, don't. That's a frustrating thing that annoys me to no end. Is you know, let me run in when you're on the ropes after 29 minutes of this no. match or whatever. Yeah, no. In this time, he just gave him five minutes and then ran in. So no,
0: you got it wrong. No, he ran in when Evil was had had Okada in a submission yes. hold. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't know.
0: Why didn't he come in when Okada had Evil in the money clip? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know, like Just like evil's,
2: backstage. I don't know.
0: That's when he should come in. He comes in when evil's on the verge of winning, and and attacks him, which even made less sense. This whole thing was a mess. <laughs> it was so bad, but it was so short that and it was in the Ugh. mid card that I didn't care.
2: I guess. Yeah, I it's it's pretty horrendous, no matter what. But I, no, listen, I, I'm, I'm with you. I agree. If you're gonna if you're gonna suck and be brutal, at least suck and be brutal for five minutes as opposed to thirty for sure. In
0: the mid card too as opposed to a tag team title match where I have to endure a half hour to get to Iron Glove silliness. Right? This was just mid-card stuff setting up a singles match that nobody cares about
2: or <laughs> wants to in see. the world wants to see, yeah.
0: And evil is just a fucking drain on this company. Evil and he Dick Sticks. Togo. He
2: fucking sucks. Yeah, both of them suck. Dick, Sorry, Dick Togo. I love Dick Togo, but you fucking stick. I don't dude. love go this way. Dick Togo. Yeah, go away. I don't. I don't want you anymore. Go back to.
0: This is in nineteen ninety uh, seven. I. This isn't my Dick Togo. I don't love this Dick Togo. This Dick Togo hit the bricks. Okay. Evil and Togo are a drain. They drag everything yep. they're involved with down to their level, and everybody it they're
2: involved with down to their level too. It takes yes. them. takes some months to recover from from an evil reign. <laughs> it's
0: garbage, and and you know. And then I guess the Never match was pretty good. But um, I, I will say this. Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi are without question the best Never Openweight six-man champions of all time. They didn't get enough credit for their matches last year that were very good because a lot of people had hand-waved company by then. There's a great title reign. And I thought they were going to lose. And I really like the story of this match where Yoshihashi is just taking this horrible beating and then he comes back and wins in the end. As they continue to, you know, build him up. I'm not saying they're ever going to push him as a single because they're not, but it's a nice little story they're telling. This with is him. fine.
2: Honestly, if this is if this is the, 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 te- the peak of, of Yoshihashi, I'm fine with it because he's not a dork. He's not a geek anymore. Like you might think, he, like I, people can still use that term. I don't use it. I, I think you're a dork and a geek if you're in, you know, just random undercards. Or, or I think you're a dork or a geek if occasionally you get a title match and then you just absolutely bomb and then go back or whatever. Like because that's what Yoshashi was for a while. He'd eventually they'd be out of people, and ah, you know what? Here's a U.S. title match. Or, ah, here's a never point title match. And he'd be like a dork and he'd have a you know so-so match and get killed and then go right back to the undercard. That's a dork. A guy that goes out there and says, you know what? Look. This is, this is my lot in life now is he's never opened with six mans. But to me, this is the fucking, this is the main event. This is the world championship for me. And that's, I, I, I buy into that Yoshiashi story and I love that story. I love the idea of a guy saying, you know what? No, nah, this is my title. I don't, I don't care what other people think of this title. This is the most important title to me. And he wrestles like it's the most important title to him. And he's awesome. And I love this. They're yeah. the, far and away the best champions. The only ones I could, this, there was that random Satoshi Kojima. What was it? Satoshi Kojima, David Finley and Ricochet crew. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be Matt Sydal, but uh, he had a problem with the Smoky, so that uh, the, the synthetic Smoky, and they said, "Ah, you gotta go now, buddy." So bye. Yeah,
0: but um, that's the best match of this show. I thought I thought it was better than the main event.
2: Oh, unquestionably. Oh, no, no doubt.
0: Um, but nothing great on either of these shows. Didn't even think about cracking my notebook for any of this slop. Um, disappointing, and the bar's a little higher for New Japan.
2: Well, one you thing know, I wanted it, to point out real quick, uh, uh, really interesting here. So the, the Kotobushi Sonata on cage match, 8.45 right now on cage match, which definitely not what you and I, I mean, thought of that match. 8. I guess
0: people liked it. I don't know. I mean, but, I well,
2: like uh, uh, but on grapple, 3.63 on grapple.
0: I think that's more in line. I mean, I, I'm a am lo- even lower than that, but, um, and you just flat out called it bad. So you're lower than that as well. I mean, I thought it was like a three star match.
2: Yeah, I went about you know, three and a quarter. I think is is what I officially rated it as. So,
0: I mean, you know, three point six three. I, it's you know, I think that's fair. I mean, it's higher than I would go, but, um,
2: yeah, eight point four five. seems... I don't know. That seems a little wild. So we'll see. See how that.
0: Yeah, it got about the same rating as Hiromu and Show on Grapple, which I think is fair. I thought they were about. Look, I thought Hiromu and Show had better work. Yes. I think okay. I thought Hiromo and Show had better work, cleaner work. I think Ibushi and Sonata had a much better and more exciting closing stretch with sloppier work. But otherwise they were both very dull and uninteresting. That's my... That's my- yeah no, that's for my sure. take in comparison
2: yeah and and i think the, the the question now you know for me at least is yeah there's sonata who we know he's just a fucking dork and he stinks or whatever whatever i i i'm done with the sonata yeah. thing i just don't want to deal with him anymore i don't really care uh, not
0: as a guy i think they, they can pop a house with once a year for a title show yeah
2: he's exactly that's that's his lot in life and that's fine that's fine so yeah mm-hmm. I, i'll admit that i was wrong in thinking he was going to be a star that he was going to be this this monumental star or whatever it's just not I mean, going to happen is so.
0: a, you know what he kind of is a star but he's not a guy you're gonna build your company around or pushes the top guy right
2: right right but yeah he'll get, those, he'll get those he'll get those shots and he'll yeah. sell some tickets and he's he's obviously yeah. pretty popular so that's, I mean that's good but yeah
0: but again a- there's also a working standard and I think they understand that he he doesn't meet that yeah well
2: standard. I, I, and that's what I mean like I think they have seen that he fails a, a strong word but as uh, I guess that's one of, that he's failed at, at reaching that standard so they're fine with him just being occasionally a guy that pops up in title matches, then goes back down and does other stuff and and that's I, I think we've seen that already i mean this it, these last two years would have been the time to make him a bona fide every you know month type of guy, and he's he's not that, and that's that's fine that's okay, but yeah that, that's clear what they thought, but what I was going to bring up is 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 this Kotobushi reign that we've had so far what what do you make of of the Kotobushi double title reign that we've had uh you know right now we've had obviously the the, the you know the Wrestle Kingdom and we had the build to these new beginning shows, which you know there was there was some. Interesting stuff there with with Kodobushi, but I, it's not a good first start here with with Sonata. I mean, this is a feud that has just had no juice, and I I hate to blame it. I don't want to blame it all on Kodobushi, but I'm gonna put a little bit on him as well. Where it's just like, let's go, man. Let's get some energy. Let's 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 do this.
0: I don't know. He's had one match against a a, a, a Sonata. I don't. know. I, I think it's too soon to tell. I mean, he's gonna wrestle Naito next, and they always have great matches no matter what. Um. I'm not so sure about the story going into that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Let, let's, you want to talk about that now? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So after the match, uh, Kota wins, obviously uh, Naito comes out and everyone's thinking, Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Naito versus Kotobushi, double titles, a little rematch from Russell kingdom. And then Naito says, yeah, intercontinental title. I'll go for that title. And here we are. So, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think that with the castle attack being a double night, cause it's a double night. Correct. I think that, you're probably going to get a second Abushi match for the other title because you can't just have him lo- defend and lose the Intercontinental because then your world champion's a geek who just lost. So the next night, he'll have to successfully defend against someone with the big belt to kind of get his heat back, so to speak. And I think Shingo's perfect for that spot. So you might get Naito on night one and Shingo on night two. And then I'd I'd, inverse, makes, I'd
2: I'd flip that actually if I if I were you I, it seems weird I know it seems weird yeah but to me I like the idea of Shingo taking Kotobushi to his absolute fucking limit on night yeah, one yeah. 40 minutes you know out. what i mean and it's just like then Kodobushi comes the next night and he's got he's all bandaged up he's all taped up and he's like all right let's go and and the burden of being the double champion is now seen in this night where he just can't do it and, and naito beats him because you know it, and it doesn't make kotobushi and not that Kodobushi would look like a geek losing to naito anyway but there's the easy out of like oh the burden of being the double champion it's just too much for anybody to handle it's so hard for someone to handle and Kodobushi, you know could not handle it because it's just so hard to, to, to face guys on back-to-back nights or whatever so that that's what I. I would do. I mean, it seems weird though that you're, you're, you know, the second night is the, the IC, but it's night. It's a guy of Naito's level. So I don't think that'd be so ridiculous to have it uh, be there. And, and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be weird. And, and, Honestly, we mentioned this, go back to when they first announced these double titles and New Japan fans first got mad at us and decided that we hated New Japan and they hated us and and all that sort of stuff is when you and I, from day one, and I remember us bringing up this exact scenario is that yes, you can have a double champion, but at some point this double champion either has to lose to a guy of an IC level. Which just doesn't look good. Or somebody has to come out and go, "Yeah, I want the IC titles." And it's like, really? You don't want the? I got this title too. You want this one? They're Like, no, I want the IC titles. It's like, all right, you can have the secondary title. That, that was always going to be an awkward thing. Is that either the the, the guy with the double championships was going to lose to somebody that is quote unquote below his level, or a guy that is his level is going to challenge for the second title for some reason?
0: Yeah, and this here. stinks. And I don't, this stinks, and I don't like
2: it. Well, we're here, I mean, and, and they were going to have to do this anyway. Which is again, well, they, why I said, they, 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 don't you know do what, these don't... fucking double titles. Like, it's stupid.
0: I disagree that they have to do this, though. All you have to do is have a Bushi come out, cut a promo, and say, I have achieved my godlike status. I did what I wanted to do. I don't have time to defend both of these titles. I respect it too much to keep it on the back burner, so I'm vacating the Intercon L title.
2: But Done. I think the problem with that, though, is you would have had to – I think you would have had to do that with Naito originally. You I can think, do it now. But I, mean, I, I think it makes a Bushi two? kind of look like a dork, though, if he's like, ah, I can't do this. Well, because a guy just did it last year. The guy just defended yep. both titles.
0: Yeah, but he defended them together. Yeah. Okay, so...
2: But why, why like, is Kota defending him separately?
0: Because I think the way out of it is he's being challenged for it separately, right? So he can say, look, I respect this too much. It's the Nakamura belt. Uh, it's not fair to the lineage and the history of this great title. I don't want it anymore. Or something to that effect. And I don't think that makes him look like a geek. I mean... But now they've botched it all up because they already had Naito challenge for it. You know what I mean? I, he could have just given a promo and said that this title deserves better than what I can give it. I'm only one man. I guess he can't say that because he's a god, but you get the idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Just fucking vacate it. They, they box themselves into these corners and you don't have to. Right. The whole to well, me, they didn't
2: have to do it two okay. years, I and mean, they did it two years ago. They boxed I'm going to tell
0: you part. why they did it for Naito, though. This is why I'm okay with doing it for Naito. He has to have something Okada never had. Sure. So, his his whole arc was finally beating Okada, but not just beating Okada, but achieving something that Okada has never achieved and can't ever achieve, and that's being the first double champion. Okada can never do that. Naito has that over Okada forever. For, for for till the end of the world. So I didn't have a problem with that. Now, do I think Naito should have vacated it the way I just laid out? Yes, they didn't do that. But now Ibushi can just vacate it. I don't understand why. It's not this complicated riddle or puzzle to get out of this, but they're making it one. And they're, they're making it overly convoluted. Just fucking vacate it. It's not a big deal. And then you could have Willow Spray and somebody else fight over it next month And it would be a gigantic achievement for somebody like Will Ospreay to win it. Even though the other guy just gave it up. Because, number one, he's a heel. He can prance around and act like it's the more important. He's a million different things you could do. Just give it up. Why make it this complicated riddle? Why have Naito come out and challenge for the lesser belt? It's bad.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it sucks, though, because, again, you go back and listen to the episode that we did when they announced these double titles. And we had mentioned that this exact scenario would, would, would come to a head. And we obviously we had no idea what 2020 would bring to us. But we both kind of I, I think I was on record as saying that, yeah, have night to win both of the belts and the day after go. Hey, you know what? I got both the belts. I did it. I unified it. I re- I reached my goal. But, you know. The top, I, I, to me, I've always considered the IWGP title the, the main title, so that's the one I'm going to keep, and I'm going to vacate the IC title and let other people fight for it. I, I said that that's what they should do. They should do that immediately after Wrestle King And you were next, right. And, 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 you were they, and they should have done it. And then the longer they didn't do it and the longer they kept these titles together, I said that we would reach this scenario where, yeah, you have either a champion lose to a guy beneath him. Where you know Kota, you know Kodabushi loses a match to Will Osprey, like you said, to, to, to get the title, or Naito loses to Will Osprey last year, or whatever, whoever it is, insert certain name of, or you have yeah, you have Naito come out and say, "I want the IC title," and it's like, oh okay, <laughs> like sure, you could have the second title. That's fine and then like because that's what would have that's what they would have had to do if they boxed themselves in this corner and they did and and here we are so I don't know I mean like I guess just rip the band off at this point like it sucks and I don't like it but at least moving forward having the separate titles I think is, is going to be important unless you know it's Kotobushi just beats Naito and <laughs> has both the titles again which I really don't think is going to happen but uh, who knows who, who the hell knows anymore with New Japan so
0: I mean it just it stinks how they're getting out of it it's just I don't like this at all but I do think that he should defend the other title on the other show. I like your idea of him being worn out and that being his out for losing. But I really don't care. As, I think as long as you have – as long as he wins defending the big belt, he doesn't look as much, of, like, as much of a geek for losing the lesser belt. You can't just have him go out there and lose the lesser belt and then just carry on as the, as the world champion. He looks like an absolute geek if you do that. And, I, you know, so he's got to beat somebody on the other show. So hopefully that's what they're doing, but they really need to get on with it and figure out who it's going to be. Otherwise, that might not be what they're doing, and they might really just be doing this. And if Naito's just challenging for one belt, he has to win, right? He can't lose. That doesn't make sense.
2: (laughs) You're right, but... I don't know anymore with these guys, but uh, there you go. I don't go. know either. I, yeah, 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 I'm, just... I, we, we used to be able to predict in lockstep with New Japan, and these days it's, it's, it's becoming uh, much more difficult. So that's, uh, that is New Japan for wrestling. Uh, we have reviews up on the website. Well, I
0: guess well. we should say that it's going to probably be Okada and Evil, and then the whole ELP-Horomu thing, which if you've been listening to this show, you knew that this was how it's going to play out. ELP is mm-hmm. going to beat them. Oh, yeah. And then Hiromu is going to chase, because that's what they were going to do last year. And but they're also gonna have matches for the one show is gonna be for the tag titles. The other show is gonna be for the singles
2: titles. Right, right.
0: And then we've got of course Tanahashi and Okan. Okan should win that. And then, um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what you do with Shingo. Will Ospreay. They're not really set up for anything.
2: No, I mean, the, the, there was a the so. moment where Ibushi on one of the road two shows. I think the second I want to say mm-hmm. were. Or Shingo was on commentary, and abushi just like, you know, walked up to him and showed him both the titles and made funny faces at him. And Shingo kind of gave him a death stare, and then they never followed up on that, which to me, I was like, oh, well, there you go. We're building up to a Shingo, uh, Kotobushi, but we haven't gotten there in Castle Attacks like very soon. So I don't know if I don't know when they're really going to do that.
0: I think that's what they're going to do. I think, I, I, ultimately, I think they're going to do Shingo, you know, but, um, you know, Will Ospreay cons- conspicuously has nothing going on, mm-hmm. but I don't. Do you want to beat him right now?
2: Nah, not really.
0: In a, in his first IWGP title match, I don't know if you want to do that. You could beat Shingo. That doesn't matter. He's never winning it anyway. So I think that's ultimately the direction they go. But here's my takeaways: these shows weren't great. New Japan's not a lock to have great shows anymore. They're still capable of having great shows. They're still capable of having the best shows in the world. Wrestle Kingdom was phenomenal. Both nights. But, you know, especially with the limited roster, you're going to have days like this. These two back-to-back shows, they weren't good. And, man, you know, Empire, you compare the first new beginning to these two. I mean, they are stirring the drink right now. These, these New Japan shows are really lacking something when Empire is not around. So I think that had a factor, too, with these two shows, because that great okan Tenzon match and that Osprey-Kojima match felt hot, and they really added some juice to the first New Beginning show, which obviously had the great main event. And then these shows were just listless, totally listless all the way through.
2: Uh, so we got about another hour here, so we'll quickly go over these. Uh, we gotta these, go. Let's go. Yeah, let's get let's get through these two uh, two shows. We got talk.
0: challenged, Rich, and we're failing.
2: Uh, we're failing, um. but we're not gonna. No, we're gonna succeed because these two previews I think will go pretty quick. NXT Takeover vengeance day on valentine's day so if you are a a sad lonely individual you can sit home on sunday night and watch nxt takeover uh vengeance day i'm
0: not so. a, a sad individual and i'll be sitting home sunday night <laughs> i think everyone will be sitting home sunday night yeah you're not going right. anywhere
2: i mean you know pandemic
0: you know i mean i am probably not doing uh, anything
2: i'll probably just make dinner and then watch this as well so
0: i mean a lot of people are gonna go out i mean because we punted the pandemic like eight yeah yeah ago. yeah right you know what i think it's like, everyone gets mad at Casey Cantanzaro and Ricochet, and it's like, you think they're the only ones?
2: Jesus, no. Go to my they're fucking, people... lo- follow my Facebook, you know, look at my Instagram. Yeah, I, I am now one of the only ones that still is trying to, you know, do some stuff. Dave,
0: even, it, like, even in wrestling, though, no. like they have become the lightning rods only because she's so brazen well, about she it. She
2: shares so, it no, all. You just yeah, go and that. do it without having a fucking Instagram live about you doing it.
0: I assure you. These entire rosters, NXT, AEW, WWE, they're all doing it, especially the younger you get. These these people in their 20s, they're all out there partying, all of them. Rich, society at large, people in their 20s aren't respecting this thing. Why do you think the first people in line for the vaccine after the frontline workers and the seniors are young adults in their 20s? because we accept that none of them are going to conform and stay in the house that's why they're first in line for right the, right that vaccine
2: right yeah we, me and the nurse talked about that yesterday that like in a weird way and i know that it would like the public you know the pr of it would be such a disaster to put like 20 year olds in the front of the line for vaccines or whatever but if you want to truly slow the spread the best thing is to just fucking vaccinate everybody in their 20s and 30s right well, off the bat. First in
0: line. They, they, well, oh, no! After the after the healthcare workers and the and the seniors, that's what I said Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, because you have to do them for. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you're There's saying, just teacher. I would have
2: fucking too. yeah. I said sorry, yeah. Grandma. <laughs> like we need to get yeah. you know your, your 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 you know your grandson Caden because he won't fucking stop going to bars every day. And if we want to slow the spread of this thing, we got to get fucking Hayden and Caden their fucking vaccine. So they you know because they're not going to stop partying. And it sucks to reward those people. And it's you know what I mean, like in in that way. But like. For truly trying to stop the spread of it, the best route is probably these people that are never going to listen and never going to stop. The best way is probably vaccinate them, and it ends up the sl- the spread would probably be slowed a lot. And it's just like it's a PR disaster to do that. But uh, yeah. honestly, if, if if you know if that's the goal is to slow the spread, uh, t- people in their twenties and thirties, you you know, would probably be the I best mean, people. I to I mean, do.
0: logically, you would do the healthcare workers, the essential workers, and the seniors, which is what they're doing, right? Logically, you would do them. And then you would just work backwards based on age because the risk factor increases the older you are, right? Logically, that's what you would do. But that's not what we're doing. If
2: everybody was following the rules, that's exactly the route you would go. But nobody is following the rules. So that's not the route you can do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the younger you are, the less likely you are to follow the rules. So we have put the 20 year olds to the front of the line. (laughs) Yet everyone thinks Casey Cantanzaro is the world's biggest heel. She's become the lightning rod. But they're all out there partying, all of them. Why do you think people mysteriously disappear from TV for two weeks at a time? They're all out there doing it. okay? And it's so funny because all these people on Twitter, all these young people on Twitter burying her. You think all these people on Twitter are staying in the house either? They're all virtuous on Twitter. okay? Uh, Look around. People punted this thing eight months ago. Nobody's staying in the house except me. I'm the only person that stays in the house. Everyone else is going out to dinner fucking living their lives. I see these people on Twitter talk about going out to eat, and then they're burying Casey Cantanzaro because she has (laughs) the video of her going out to eat. These people are such frauds. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such bullshit. But, so yes, on Valentine's Day, me and you probably will be the only people in the house because all these frauds on Twitter are going to go out to eat on Valentine's Day with their girlfriends and boyfriends, and then they're going to bury Casey Cantanzaro because she's so stupid that she's going to go out there and blast that they went out for dinner. It's just these people on Twitter just aren't telling anybody. So I, I don't buy – it's just such nonsense. You know, all these – none of these wrestlers are conforming down there in Florida. They're in Florida, number one, so you don't have to conform. And they're all in their 20s, and they're stupid. None of them are conforming. But listen, pick – I understand how it works. You know, you got to pick the right enemies on social media. I know that's how that works. And I'm not even defending Casey Canso. No, no, no. She's, she's a dope – But I just think it's funny how that's... She's one of uh,
2: millions of dopes that are out there, yes. We are a country of dopes. So Casey Gattanzaro is not uh, a... a, a, She's very much a representative of the entire dopey nation that we live in. You don't
0: think Simone Johnson's going out? Come on now. But she does clap tweets, so we don't dare pick on someone (laughs) like that. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, right. That's how it works. Okay, let's be honest. You think Simone Johnson's sitting in the house quarantining? Please. Okay, they're all out there. All of them. But anyway... um, rich i'm gonna walk you through this nxt takeover because i didn't watch nxt this week yeah there you go I can,
2: so, I can i can i can get you i'm i'm up on nxt takeover a show that i definitely did not know was uh uh or i definitely did know was a paper view this weekend i uh, did not just realize that today so go ahead
0: i'm not the only one who didn't watch nxt this week but they're
2: it <laughs> yeah, right looks like i was but... one of few people that decided to watch old uh uh nxt this week but uh yeah that uh that rating who boy especially my demo not many people in my demo watching this show this week so
0: uh Three way. A, th- a three way with the ladies.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can't, well, you, uh, you can't, you cannot have the women's championship defended in a one on one match in NXT. It's just impossible. It's just, cannot
0: I was happen. doing a double on. Um, oh, I know. Uh, I know. A yeah. With, uh, uh, a three way with the ladies. EO Shirai, Tony Storm, and Mercedes Martinez.
2: Yeah. It's your segment, Rich. <laughs> your segment, Rich. <laughs> I mean, the problem, though, is that NXT kind of stinks. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have a match. Um, they're going to fight each other you know the, uh, obviously you know Tony Storm is now full on heel Io Shirai has kind of turned semi babyface or, or I think full on babyface at this point so that's kind of your gimmick between those two and they have a little bit of a background a little bit of history Tony Storm when she came back and turned heel you know she attacked Io Shirai and that's kind of the build there uh and then Mercedes Martinez is just like hey I want to win the title and that's where she's at so she uh returned from a she t- she said in her promo she talked about returning to NXT so they uh it's canon that she was a part of Retribution and just bounced and left Went back to NXT, which makes it kind of funny that you know, Reckoning is still out there, and, and it's just like, man, if you can go, why would ever, why would all these other guys not go back to where they were at NXT? But uh, yeah, it, it is completely forced to get Mar- Mercedes Martinez in there, even though I don't hate it because she's got a cool story. It just feels like they had this yo Shirai Tony Storm thing, and then they also have this Mercedes Martinez thing. So instead of doing two separate matches, they just lump her in there. So
0: well, because on the main roster, you get all that pay per view money,
2: right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: On the main roster, you get all that house show money,
2: all oh, the big house show money,
0: and the pay per view money. Yes, um, the two Dusty Rhodes finals we have Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, and then MSK versus the Grizzled Young Vets. Yeah, they're you Grizzled go. Young Veteran. Yes, so I, have to I say was it like uh,
2: shocked. I just want to say shot to the Grizzly Young Veterans. I so they I, on the show this week they had the, the semi-main event or the, the semifinals of the tournament where MSK versus the uh uh what I blank on their name, the fucking uh Rascals. No, no, I know they're the Rascals. Uh who were they they were against the uh the Latino guys. They
0: used to be Oh, they used to be the Rascals, MSK. No,
2: I yes, yes, yeah. What's what's the what's the tag team name of the uh Fantasma. Oh,
0: Ligado, Ligado de Fantasma.
2: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Those guys. So they, they had a great match. It's an, I would definitely go and watch that one if I were you. And you're absolutely on the money. And every time I watch them, you're absolutely on the money that MSK is like perfect for this company. Where on the indies, like they would have to work, you know, 15 minute matches. They'd have to. This is like. All right, guys. You got seven minutes do all your shit, and they just do all their shit in seven minutes, and it's awesome <laughs> because like it's just it's the it, the bell rings and they just fucking do shit for seven minutes. There's
0: structure,
2: yeah, and there's a little bit of structure to it too. But like so, but but it, it, in a way, it's 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 pretty it, it's very well done. So they they won their match and they looked good and and, and they seem like the favorites to, to win this uh, entire tournament. And then they had Champa and Thatcher against the Grizzle Young Veterans, and I'm like, oh, man, the juxtaposition of Thatcher and and fucking Ciampa against his MSK guys, like that is going to be a hell of a match. And then out of nowhere, fucking the Grizzle Young Veterans beat Ciampa and and Thatcher. I was stunned that they won and have moved on here.
0: I like Grizzly young veterans, so I hope they win. No,
2: I, I like them too, but it's just, yeah. I was thinking, man, there's no way that they're gonna have the Grizzly young veterans win this match, and and here they are, man. So they're uh, they're in a main event, so good for them.
0: When they, when they wrestle, do you take off your shoe and hold it up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they do that for for James Gibson, but the British fans, yeah,
2: you know, I don't, um, yeah, I, don't, I never got that, and I don't, I think I got explained to me once, and I didn't, it didn't make much sense. So I, just...
0: I in my living room, I hold up a shoe.
2: <laughs> if you find it, the nearest shoe. Yes. I do it. so there's that one uh but anyway that that so that final I, i'm kind of interested in that one though because it still is yeah, even though it's not on thatcher it is still a juxtaposition of msk just fucking doing shit and flying all over the place versus the slow it down grind you into the matt grizzly young Veteran. so uh should still be a pretty fun match uh and then the women's dusty classic joe <laughs> amber moon and Shotzi blackheart faced uh indy hartwell and canis LeRae on the semifinal. yeah so brutal there, um, I don't know that there was a spot that they didn't fuck up. In, there's a, I, Indy there's is a dirty little so bad.
0: <laughs> Indy, Indy, Indy Hartwell is not very good. She but is so bad. There's a dirty little secret though too. Like Ember Moon's not
2: that good. No, and that's I was gonna bring up of all the people she, in the match. Indy Hartwell was real bad, like horrendously bad. Yeah. But she's still been, you know, she's been working for like a year or two or whatever. So I'll let her slide. She's
0: legitimately a developmental wrestler. Right,
2: she's fine. That's, Ember Moon was the second worst and not that far off from Indy Hartwell and she's been wrestling for like a decade and a half. Yeah. She I, the in, I don't know if it's the injury, I don't know what, it, you know, she comes back from, you know, tearing her Achilles, like it's not an easy injury to come back from. I I get it, but she yeah. is not good. Very sloppy and 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 she wasn't always the smoothest worker either, if no, we're being honest. Not. Like she was always but she was able to kind of make up for it with athleticism and with, you know, high you know some Very some, dynamic. Yeah, dynamic high spots, you know, big stuff like that. She doesn't do that as much, so it it, it looks even more even worse. Uh, Candace fucked up a dive and landed on her face. Shotzi was Shotzi. It just—it was so bad.
0: Oh, sounds like a hell of a
2: match. <laughs> yeah. Here. So that's the build to this women's final here, where uh, I hope Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez wins, but uh, I know old H loves the uh, loves the Shotzi. So who knows what's going to happen there? So maybe she'll maybe she'll win it. So and he can howl. Johnny
0: Gargano. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were. I was gonna right. say that he
2: could he could take a picture with them in the back stage and he can howl with Shotzi. So
0: yes. Uh, Johnny Gargano, accompanied by The Way, defends <laughs> the North American title against Kushida. That could be great, right? That yeah, it great.
2: could. No, so they're—I mean—they are hitting the fuck. Johnny, as a heel, they're hitting that thing over the head. For people that haven't watched it recently, uh, Gargano claims that Kushida—you know—the hoverboard lock he broke his arm. Uh, so he, he wanted to get out of this match, and he was in a wheelchair even though he broke his arm, which was kind of fun heat where, you know, they're, they're lifting him into the ring, and, and Vic Joseph's like, why is he in a wheelchair? He broke his arm or whatever, which is, again, it's like it's like classic old school, like, I, I enjoy this part. This is when it's like, when it's so ridiculous, it's actually kind of funny, uh, and then, you know, they do the thing where uh, Kushida runs into the ring and he attacks them, and they do a, they do a, a, a tug-of-war with the title, and Johnny's tugging with his broken arm. And Kushida points at it, and William Regal's out there, and he goes, aha, your arm's not broken. And then Johnny has this moment like, oh, no, oh, my God, I forgot that my arm was broken. So uh, William Regal then says, okay, no, you guys are going to face each other uh, at the, so uh, it, it should be pretty cool. The problem, though, is, so I mentioned all that stuff was really good in this. So you watched none of NXT, right, this week? I haven't seen it, no. So it was so ridiculous. So you had the Ziya Lee with, like, the thousand-year-old woman thing, which is just yes. fucking really really weird you have Caden Carter walking up to the thousand year old woman and say what have you done to her what have you done to our friend Zaya and it's so weird and bad and, and strange while this demon is choking Bao or whatever so just like oh, what is God, going on that so, then, so there's all this really cool like old school wrestling thing with Johnny Gargano trying to fake his injury Kushida running up and realizing that he's faking this injury beating up the heels putting them in arm bars and all that sort of stuff so Johnny Gargano runs out of the ring uh, and, and, and Austin Theory runs right behind him. Austin Theory gets dragged underneath the ring. And Johnny goes to pick him up. So he goes to pick him up. And he, he, he yanks him out, of, out from under the ring. And goes, I got you, Austin. I got you, Austin. He's looking up in the air, though. And he looks down. He did not pick up Austin Theory. He picked up Dexter Loomis. Oh, God. So bad. So Dexter stares at him. Oh. And Johnny goes, ah, oh. ah. <laughs> then, like, oh. So bad. And then Austin Theory comes out from under the ring and goes, Thanks, Johnny. And then he turns around, It's Dexter Loomis. And he goes, Ah,
0: <laughs> what are... maybe it's better than nobody's watching. Yeah, this it's shit.
2: so bad. I was like, Man, you had something really good. And then you do that. Like the the, the Gargano Crescendo was just pure pro wrestling and it ruled and it was awesome. And the babyface looked like a million bucks. And then it all li- li- builds up to, you know, Dexter Loomis hiding under the ring, stealing their souls because he stares at them or whatever. It's so bad. Um, and then Finn Balor and Pete Dunn uh, they had so, promos
0: and that's it. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, no, nah, this this'll be a match that Edge is watching very closely. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that, that the build. And that's what they said on on NXT. They said a match that Edge will be watching very closely, Finn Balor versus Pete Dunn. And then Pete Dunn said, like, you know, I wanna win the title, and Finn Balor said, You can't win the title, and, and that's what we got here. So
0: Edge will be rubbing his very long chin and watching this match. Wondering if he's going to challenge the winner at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm.
2: You're right. He, he that, that coward is to challenge. Walter right now. Walk out on NXT UK and say, you know what? Don't defend that title before WrestleMania because Edge, Walter, Mania, let's do it, pal. You know what? If you had some guts, Edge.
0: Right. Edge needs to walk out and say.
2: Sid, hey, Sid, shut up for a minute. I got something to say. <laughs> like,
0: Mark Coffey, I'm going to let you finish. But yeah. I got something to say here. To Walter, to the big man, you know? And uh, I'd be into Walter versus Edge. Hell yeah, that'd and it be would, awesome. And it would elevate the NXT UK Championship <laughs> if uh, if Edge bypassed. said, you know, Roman, forget Roman Reigns. Not interested in him. Um, I know I teased NXT, but what I really want is a shot at that NXT UK gold with its fine lineage. Joe Coffey has held this title, and I want to be part of that lineage. <laughs> of great NXT UK champions. And then what they could do is the Gallus music could hit. Doom, doom, Hey, now. And Joe Coffey can come down, and they can do a three-way at WrestleMania. Oh, How
2: about great. That? Yeah, perfect. Because yeah. That's,
0: what, that's what they would do.
2: Right, They'd, yeah. Everybody would be really excited about Edge versus Walter. There'd right. be a bunch of, like, GIFs and tweets and everybody, oh, my God. And then, Yeah. Yeah. And
0: Joe Coffey would say uh, There's not
2: going to be a match without me, without Gallus. <laughs> you know,
0: and then Sid Scala would say, he'd, he'd be waving his finger in the air, and he'd go, you know, I have an idea. I've got an idea for you boys. People I think we're making we this up.
2: This. We're not making this up. This is NXT UK, by the way.
0: I know how we could settle this, you know, and, and he would make it a three-way, you know? And then Johnny Saint would just, you know, someone would pull his string and make him nod. And then that's that's how that would work. And we'd have ourselves a three-way at WrestleMania. Edge versus Walter <laughs> versus Joe versus Coffee. Joe Coffee. Right. right? With the Wolfgang at ringside. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You got to have the Wolfgang well, at ringside. Hearing that
2: Gallus music blast over the Raymond James Stadium uh, speakers would definitely have me pumped up. So,
0: yeah, no doubt about it. Let the no let, let the it.
2: cannons blow off while while he's in there too. That'd be pretty good.
0: Yeah, the Wolfgang and Mark Coffee, who are the <laughs> NXT UK Tag Team Champions, <laughs> right, I right. think, but I don't know. Because I haven't watched a second of NXT UK aside from Walter versus Ilya Dragunov.
2: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, this takeover on paper, like, Gargano Kushida should be really good. Finn Balor and Piton should be really good. Uh, MSK versus Grizz Young Veterans should be pretty good. And the women's stuff, I mean, I I think the the three-way will be pretty solid. I'm I'm not sure about the tag match. But uh, on paper, it looks like a good NXT, but the TV is just really weird right now. It's... It's very strange. I don't know what NXT is trying to go for right now, but it's, it's, it's all kinds of bad, and, and no one's watching. So oh, did you uh, 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 Trevor Lee or whatever the hell he is? Cameron Grimes, uh, yeah, his gimmick is that he made money on the GameStop uh, stock, so now he's rich.:
0: Oh, so, good for him. Yeah. good for him." So he's rich now. So he came out and said, "I'm rich.
2: I made all." And so he's like a, he's like a half like J.R. Ewing, half, you know, whatever he was before. He just screaming about how much money he made. He said he made money on dog coin, but I think he meant dogecoin. So yeah, he's a...
0: So he's a dim witted southerner who came in the money.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: So he's doing a Jed Clampett Beverly Hillbillies
2: game. Yeah, oh, you know what? That's a better comp, yes. For sure. Yeah.
0: I so. mean it's a sixty year old comp. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah, right, right it's but that's that's what he's doing which I, I,
2: i'm guessing how that how it actually yeah. went in the room that's probably how it went in the room is is whoever's young yeah. like sanjay dutt or whatever is trying to explain to sean michaels that like you know or i'm trying to think you know yeah like yeah jim smallman and sanjay dutt are like yeah so uh or i don't know who's backstage i smallman's probably in in uk i don't know if he's actually in florida or whatever sanjay dutt and sean michaels is a perfect cop because i'm having Gabe, a conversation Gabe, as- Gabe
0: is back there who is it Gabe is. Better. I
2: don't know. I don't know what games could contribute to this conversation. Maybe. Uh, uh, but no, I, I imagine like I'm trying to think of the youngest like most in modern stuff guy well, and then like the oldest about, guy.
0: We're talking about agents here. None of them are spring chickens, but yeah, Sanjay Dutt's probably in his late 30s. Or yeah, early 40s, he he
2: understands. Right? Like so, okay. So what probably happened to Sean Michaels is like, uh, Sanjay, what's up with this uh this GameStop thing? What's going on with this thing? And Sanjay yeah. Dutt explains. Okay, so it's like you know these these guys on Reddit, which is like a sub, you know, a, a internet thing. They they all banded together to buy stock of GameStop and it rose up or whatever. And then you know Shawn Michaels is probably thinking, well, so there's just these 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 weirdos around on the internet and they made a bunch of money. And Sanjay Dutt's like, yeah, some of them did. And then you know the idea popped. And Shawn Michaels had out like the Beverly Hillbillies, like they came into money and yeah. they didn't know what they were doing. And he's like, I, yeah. I guess, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, and then, it did. See, here it is on TV. You know,
0: yeah, it's playing out. Yeah, Sean Michaels is it. like, oh yeah, because like they
2: they came into money and they didn't know what the hell they were doing, right? And it's like, uh, yeah, I guess. Like that's I guess that's sort of what it is. So that's imagine at least with the with it was it was a Dut Michaels conversation, and and it, it ended up with uh Trevor Lee being a millionaire now, so or billionaire. I forget what he said. He said he's, he said he's richer than Elon Musk. So
0: oh he's a billionaire yeah
2: he's a he's a multi 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 billionaire apparently so he invested quite a lot of money into gamestop and dogecoin so
0: well jed clampett was shooting at some raccoons and he shot the ground and oil came Mm -hmm. out of the ground and that's how he became rich uh liquid gold texas tea liquid gold yeah yes and uh so they packed up and moved to beverly hills why I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. guess if you have money, you just, I guess I have to live in Beverly, I'm Beverly Hills.
2: Hills. It fucking stinks. I'd rather live somewhere else for sure. To
0: live next door to Bobby DeBrain Heenan, who also <laughs> allegedly lived in Beverly Hills.
2: <laughs> Beverly Hills, Minnesota. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Beverly Hills, Chicago. Bobby yeah, right, right. Along with the Beverly brothers, who allegedly also were from Beverly Hills, uh, Bo and Blake. Um, and they actually were from Minnesota. So there you go. But, uh, all right, Cameron Grimes is rich. Yep, I'm sure it's hilarious. He's still getting chased around by zombies. Uh,
2: he said, he said, I'm. It was actually fun the, the way that they established it. He goes, I'm too rich to do your stupid. I'm not gonna wrestle your dumb matches with Dexter Loomis. I'm not wrestling zombies. I'm not getting chased by zombies anymore. So it's in canon that he's he so rich now zombies. that he's just like, fuck off. I'm not wrestling zombies. <laughs> like, so if William he, Riggle's he, like, uh, Cameron, I'm putting you against, you know, he's gonna be like, fuck off. I'm just gonna go ride in my sports car. So. So um, he did
0: bring up the zombies.
2: Yes, though. he said, "I'm not wrestling any zombies anymore."
0: And we're not making any of this up. No, this, <laughs> is NXT,
2: this is NXT right now. So
0: the zombies are part of the canon. He's got fuck you money to get away from zombies. Right,
2: now. right, right, right.
0: Uh, well, you know, good for Cameron Grimes.
2: Yeah, I hope that's yeah. actually true. I hope that's legit. Where you know, yeah. I hope in real life yeah. he has that money, and they tell him, "Hey, you're gonna face zombies," and he goes, "No, no, I'm not." Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, that's
0: NXT takeover. Yeah, remember when we would. Remember when we would lead off the show with takeover <laughs> yeah, previews? I do. I do.
2: Yeah. I'm about yeah. to. Patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, going through the uh, first few NXT takeovers as well on the WWE Network. Uh, $5 tier, VOW Retro uh, in February. The arrival, going through the uh, talking about the life of the WWE Network because the first live stream on the WWE Network was uh, NXT Arrival. So talk about that yeah. and then talk about uh, the other few uh, 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 big time first few uh, NXT takeovers, which were all real interesting, real fun, real, uh, uh, you know historic matches, historic moments. And, and yeah, I'm also going to uh, touch on the WWE Network and the creation of it as it, you know, dies because it's going to die soon, so...
0: Well, you get to talk me through this Impact Wrestling No Surrender oh, show. Oh, let's go. So we now it's my turn. Let's to... do
2: this one as quick as possible, man, because we yes. got, we still got the Noah thing, and then we got bouncing around yeah. the Indies, and, and I'm afraid that those, those people that you said were, were, might be right here. Uh, we're Andrew right Sinclair. On pace. We're right on pace. Yeah, we're, Andrew we're Sinclair okay. has a preview up on the website, voiceswrestling.com, if you want to read that as well. Joe, they got 40 people on this show. 40 bodies are going to be there at Impact Wrestling No Surrender.
0: This is a dopey Impact Plus special, not a pay per view, right? Right. right. We still haven't gotten pay-per-view numbers from Hard to Kill,
2: <laughs> which tells right. me they were great. I'm sure. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, probably not.
2: Yeah, when you don't get the numbers and it's not getting fed to Dave, that probably means it's 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 not good. So
0: I don't know. Yeah, the TV's still up. I mean, um, up versus last year, especially in the demo. But um, yeah, I don't know. You would think someone would be bragging about those numbers by now, right? Like you, you would. Out yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. apparently nobody has them yet, so that means probably. Probably not good. So, all right, so let's do this. Uh, as I said, Andrew Sinclair, voice has the preview here. We have The Decay, Black Tauros, who debuted in Impact and joined Decay with Crazy Steve and Rosemary uh, versus Sunil Dashwood and the team of XXXL, AC Romero, and Larry D. Did I do too many X's there? What did I do? XXX? No, I did three. XXXL, AC uh, Romero, and Larry D.
0: Yeah, three X's. Yeah. Um... <laughs> What is, about that that <laughs> what is that? Thirty-five in Roman numerals, or thirty?
2: Uh, thirty. Oh man, B so is know this. five. B is five. Thirty
0: L, you have to subtract five.
2: I don't think you would do. I think X X L would be like because the L is 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 fifty, right? So that that's a. Doesn't
0: the L mean you have to subtract or something?
2: No, I don't think so.
0: Because th- thirty-five would be X X X V. <laughs>
2: I don't think that, I, actually, I don't think that would be a real Roman numeral, because I think at L, at I I don't think they would do that. Because no. L is 50, I know for a fact L is 50. Um, L is it, 50 by itself? Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't, you would, it, would, it would be L and then XXX, you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't have the 10s the before the 50s, you know what I mean?
0: Is it because, no, but how come there was a Super Bowl XL that was?
2: I don't, was there? I don't think yes. there was. There was no. no there I was. don't
0: think there was. A Super yeah, Bowl. there was a Super Bowl that was XL. There was. Oh. There 100 was.
2: Well, I don't think that's right. So. Look
0: up the Super Bowls. It is right. Yeah, look it up.
2: Yeah, Seahawks Steelers. Yeah, I think they're wrong here. I don't know. I don't know the about the,
0: XL. I, I don't oh. know about
2: the numerology there.
0: It was XL. But this year's was LV.
2: Okay. So okay. So I. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Because XL, I guess, would be 40. Yeah. I guess that would work. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: Because L is a. You subtract the 10 from the X from the L. So if you get the four, or was it 50?
2: That was Super Bowl. No, no, no. That was Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is, we're into the L Super Bowls, though. Yeah. 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 This one was LV, which is 55. Right? Right. Now I know I Vince dropped the Roman numerals. Yeah, I get
2: it now. But uh, no, XL was 40. XL was definitely the 40th Super Bowl, right?
0: Yes. So I, I guess you L- can L- use it for
2: XL but I think maybe multiple Xs then now you don't use it anymore because LX right. you would use LXXX and that would be 80 then. It'd be 50 yeah, yeah. 10 10 10.
0: Correct. XXXL is not a real Roman numeral.
2: Yeah. Oh, but you're saying that maybe you would subtract it then so it would be like 35 or something like that or some weird way to get it, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just saying <laughs> I that can't be a real Roman numeral XXXL because you you the the Okay, this is hard to. Ex- I understand it in my head, but I can't explain it because you, that would not be you can't have thirty and then fifty. like right, it'd be negative right, right, twenty right. or something exactly right, right right right. You can't have that because you gotta anyway, nobody cares. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is why WrestleMania dropped the Roman numerals because
2: because Vince was trying to figure out, ah, God damn it <laughs> <Who> cares us made a pirate ship. That's good enough <laughs>
0: But LX was 55. It, well, no, wait. LV is 55 because yes. L is 50. Yeah. V is five. It's straightforward. There's no subtracting going on because there's so, you, just whatever. Um, yeah, that's going to be comedy. What's next?
2: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Jordan Grace, Jazz, and ODB versus Diana Perazu, Kimberly, and Susan.
0: That's yeah, going to be awful. ODB <laughs> is back, though. Yeah. Jazz. I don't know why AEW didn't bring in Jazz. She looked good at yeah, Battle Royal.
2: Yeah. That's a good veteran hand. All right. Uh, Jake something. They finally gave his name. He is now Jake something. He's not Cousin Jake anymore. The big go-off. Right. Jake something versus Cousin Diener.
0: At least it's a match with a story coming in. Yeah. Something's <laughs> up you. with Joe though. Something's up with Joe Dorian. They never let him wrestle.
2: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. He, I, I don't know what physically is wrong with him, but, yeah, they are just – Something's wrong with him. Yeah, they're yeah. not putting him in the ring, and, which kind of leads me to believe uh, – I mean, what do you do with, like, why – You know, unless you know that, like, in X amount of time we're going to be able to use him in the ring, but, like, I'm sorry, he doesn't offer me anything then, you know, yeah. without getting in the ring. But this, yeah. oh boy. Impact knockout tag team titles, Texas Tornado, no DQ. All right? Ready for this? Uh, Pure six brawl here. Uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles versus Havoc and Nevea, which is heaven spelled backwards.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. (laughs)
2: How bad is this going to be?
0: How gotten to is this Kira Hogan every six months complaining that someone's stealing her gimmick? Like, she's saying Sasha Banks is stealing her gimmick. She's saying, uh, you know, before that, she complained that she, someone else was stealing her gimmick. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone's paying attention. to No, you. I Kira. Yeah, may. sorry,
2: I, I don't know that anybody is. Yeah, really watching She's Kira giving Hogan a tapes.
0: Second thought to her,
2: and saying, "Ah, oh, man, okay, that's what I'm gonna do." <laughs> like, it looks... yeah, yeah. I think I think Sasha's got her, herself figured out. I don't think she needs Kira Hogan tapes to to get there. So,
0: okay, here's those impact numbers. Impact numbers I was talking about. I found it. This is some Brandon Thurston. Uh, the TV. In 18-49, to 49, Impact is up 15% year-over-year over, year over February 2020. So that's actually a uh, pretty impressive number. They are the only wrestling show that is up year-over-year year in February in 18-49. to 49. AEW is down 5% uh, after this week's numbers. NXT, Raw, and SmackDown are obviously way down. Impact is up 15% in 18 to 49 year over year in February. So that shows you the Kenny Omega effect. AEW Impact and Smackdown are up in February versus January. In other words, February 2021 is up versus January 2021 in overall viewership. And NXT and Raw are down. So if you're curious if the AEW stuff or the Kenny Omega stuff is still helping Impact? The answer is yes. Um, but you have to remember they were starting from a very low place to begin with. I, I wouldn't call it spectacularly up, but they're up. And when the other shows are, are mostly trending down. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that was from Brandon. He tweeted out, Uh, Earlier today, if you look on at at Brandon Thurston on Twitter, he's got the charts up in more extreme detail that I can't go into now. But that's really all you need to know. Impact is up 15% year over year in 18 to 49. And in February, they're up over January in total viewers. So there you go.
2: All right. (laughs) Ready for this one? We have a triple threat revolver impact X division contendership match here. Ace Austin, Blake Christian, Chris Bay, Daivari, Josh Alexander. You really can't find anything better for Josh Alexander. Jesus Christ. Suicide, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. Joe, do you know the rules of a triple threat survivor match? No. Okay. I'll read them for you right here. Three competitors start the match. When one is pinned or submitted, another will enter the fray. Well, oh, Dave Sapolsky here. The triple threat matches oh. will continue until there are no more entrants, in which the final pinfall mission submission will earn the victor a shot at the X Division Championship. This is WCW as fuck here, so convoluted. So
0: all right, you start with three guys, one guy's out, another guy comes in. Yeah, I guess. It's not that bad.
2: I mean, it's stupid. I thought though. it'd be worse. No, I mean, it's pretty dumb. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I mean, basically, what they're doing is it's it's going to be a three-way match all the way through instead of a seven-way match from the start. Mm, So I don't know.
2: (laughs) I would just rather a singles match. And you really can't find anything better for Josh Alexander than to be in a triple threat revolver match. Good Lord. Anyway.
0: Um, no, well, I mean, he could be having a blow off against Ethan page, but
2: yeah, can't do that. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona. Oh my God. I'm marking out bro. Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers and Hernandez.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought they would keep Cardona and Myers apart a little longer than this, but um, they're not.
2: <laughs> Clearly, they are not. Uh, Impact X Division Championship matcher, TJP defending the title uh, against Rohit Raju. That should be pretty solid. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, it's been some of the best stuff in the company is the, is the X Division stuff with Raju and TJP.
2: Uh, this one, which I, I watched the, some of the videos leading up to this year, Impact World Championship. Rich Swan defending the title. Against Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer put his hair in a man bun. Did you see that? And he's fucking ready to go. It, it's, it's exactly. If you haven't seen any of the build for this, just imagine what Tommy Dreamer being like. This is my life. This is what I worked. You know that. Like it's it's that promo, that build. And uh, you know what? It's whatever. It's an Impact Plus special. It's it it, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm looking forward to see what he does. But uh, you know, it's serious, Tommy Dreamer. It's not you know bullshit. It probably won't be plunder. I guess it'll be an actual wrestling match. But I don't know. We'll see. Swan versus Dreamer.
0: Well. This is the problem they don't have, that's the one thing they're missing is a dream match for Omega, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it a million times. They don't have that iconic, impact, associated wrestler who's a big star who they could put in there with Omega. They don't have A.J. Styles or Samoa Joe or Kurt Angle or, or you know, even someone like Abyss. They just don't have anybody anymore. Rich Swan is not it. And to hammer that home, that's not even the main event of the show. I mean, you know, the biggest match on the show is the Good Brothers versus Private Party versus Saban and Storm. And that's because right now the Good Brothers are they're bigger stars than Rich Swan. I don't think anybody would deny that. Even though Rich Swan is their world champion. So and plus you have the AEW involvement with Private Party. So I mean and that's why their ratings are up. So of course that's the main event. So, it just... It sucks for them that they don't have that trademark startup to eventually have a match with Omega. To pay all this off.
2: Right. No, for sure. And then... uh, um... Like you said, because this isn't even the main event, because the main event's going to be the Good Brothers uh, versus Saban and Storm versus Private Party. So um and, yeah, and I'm and sure it,
0: Tony Khan will be at ringside. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I mean, that's the most important story in the company. But but yeah, and I, I said the same thing. I, I guessed it on a uh, uh, Josh Nation's Punch Out on f 4 wonlinecom this week, and and that's the same thing we talked about. Is like, all right, what's you know what's the end game for this? And it's like right now, it's just a big shrug emoji. It's like the end game for. I see the end game for AEW is you know Kenny Omega collects belts. He beats Red Swan. He wins the title. The Good Brothers. Come in, you know you can use the good brothers in AEW. I see all the benefits for AEW. I see all the benefits. You know, I see the 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 story for AEW, but Impact. Who's the guy that steps up and says, "All right, no Kenny, no, you're not going to leave with my title. You're not going to leave with the Impact title." They don't have that guy. It's not really. Well, Rick that's Swan. an
0: interesting. It's an interesting switch because in the beginning of this, we saw all the be- benefits for Impact. Yeah. And oh, sure exactly. What AEW's yeah. getting out of it? Now we see what AEW is getting out of it. What Impact is getting out of it now is that little bump in their ratings that I talked about earlier. Right. And. For, somehow it's sustaining. I don't know how because we kind of see the pattern now. You get maybe you get Kenny Omega in the trailer talking for a couple minutes. He never wrestles on the show, but you know they they've peppered in Private Party and Good Brothers. I think have gotten over in two different companies now. They were really going nowhere fast in Impact since all of this has started. They're main eventing on Dynamite on a consistent basis. They're main eventers in Impact now. So they feel like the biggest star is in Impact right now. But it's like, yeah, Impact somehow is still getting a ratings bump, but they don't have that big match to build to. And I don't see them making an effort. I thought maybe Moose, now that he had some momentum, they would go in that direction. But Moose isn't even on this show, period. So I don't know. I, yeah, we're, there's no match. I don't know if Omega ever has a match. I don't know if they even do Omega Swan. I mean,
2: I, to I don't me know. It's Moose, yeah. Me, to me, Moose is is now the, the, the guy that you build up and get ready um, um, for. Is is They're not doing that. They're I not know. even That's What I would do, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I figured Moose would beat Swan, and then you build to Moose Omega. But you need a strong babyface dynamic in a match like that, and then Omega either needs to cheat to beat the guy. Because you're not going to beat Omega. AEW is not going to allow that. So, maybe it is just... Maybe they do do a swan match at some point. If they're going to do this Omega belt collector thing. Who knows? Anyway, that's... uh, No surrender, which... I don't know. That looks like it's going to be a slog. But we got a job to do. What's
2: next? <laughs> yeah, we'll watch some of it. All right. Uh, let's talk Noah Destination here. Then we'll then we'll, f- we'll conclude the show by yeah. bouncing around the Indies. But uh, Noah Destination yes. happening uh, in a few hours here. We have a preview up on the website. So if you're listening live, go check that out uh, at voicewrestling.com. We'll have reviews. Uh, for this as well, but this looks like an awesome show Definitely a show that uh, you and I are going to talk about Well, some parts of it are I mean, a, a noteworthy show Can I say a noteworthy show? Yes I'll say noteworthy instead of awesome That might be the better way to do it Yeah, maybe Bella Bell uh, Not that, uh, that awesome, but I think noteworthy a lot for of, sure
0: I, I think a lot of things have to go right For this to be an awesome show It won't be impossible But there's also a lot of things that could go very wrong So we'll see
2: uh, yeah, no, that that that's to me the the one issue with this show, and, and the one reason why I think you're probably uh, you know a little bearish on it, which, which I get totally, um, is that it feels like a it feels like a mid 2010s like produce show because they're in Budokan Hall, and obviously the idea was we wanted to get as many people to Budokan Hall. We want this kind of le- legacy uh, thing, so you have a lot of like older dudes in big spots. It feels more like a a uh, what was the 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 produce company that was around for a little bit it might still be around um, Fortune Dream wasn't it called Fortune, Fortune Dream? Dream yeah it yeah. kind of feels like a Fortune Dream show more than a Noah show you know what I mean it feels more like well, you know that sort of thing where it is it's half like young dudes doing stuff but then it's also a lot of the old guys too in big prominent spots in the show I mean obviously the main event and it's not just the main event the semi main event too it, it, it is it has got a lot of sort of old school legacy old school Budokan Hall stuff to it so which makes it an interesting show but maybe not necessarily a great bell to bell show from that sense
0: They loaded it up with a lot of old names because they're running Budokan. And even if it's limited attendance, there's still the threat that they can't sell all the tickets. So they loaded it up with all the old guys. I get it. Um, So that's why it has that feel. Um, Look, Muto, I thought he had a legitimately great match against Kato Kiyomiya um, last year. I I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if I really like the match against Go. But I also wouldn't be stunned if it's an absolute train wreck. It can really go a variety of ways with a guy that old whose body is in that condition. The atmosphere is going to go a long way. I don't know what kind of atmosphere this is going to have. Um, you know, if it has a cool look that harkens back to old Noah in the big building with the ramp and the lights, you know... That could really help things. And the crowd is going to be limited, obviously. There's not much you can do about that. We talked about that with the New Japan, the clap crowds and all that. So, the yeah, atmosphere will go a long way with a lot of these matches, too. You know, if, if it feels like a huge match, then the main event, it'll help the main event. You know, Masakatsu Funaki, I think he's looked, I thought he's looked good. Yeah, like yes, he
2: really matches. has. Yeah, that, that, that's a match that I don't know, man. It could be really, really fun and really, really good, or, or it could, but I'm leaning to the side of it being really, really fun and good because Kano fucking rocks and uh, Funaki's looks pretty good too. So I'm, I'm very curious, but it does have the potential to also not be great too. So I mean, Kano's doing this shooter thing.
0: You know, that's kind of in his gimmick lately where he's, you know, he beat um, Sakuraba at his own game, remember? And now he's taking on another shooter. So, you know, he's going to win the match. I don't think he's going to lose. But you know, we'll have to see how the styles go. I don't think it's going to be long. But again, a lot has to go right. And then Marafuji and Akiyama. It's, it's great that they're bringing Akiyama in for this. Against Keito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inamura. That's a generation battle. And it should be a lot of fun. And then um, you know, Daisuke Harada defends the junior title against Yoshioka. It should be fine. And there's a junior tag title match. Kataro Suzuki and Okoto Hidaka against the Stinger team, challenging the Stinger team, Ogawa and Hayata. So, we'll see if we'll play junior musical chairs again on this show.
2: (laughs) Yeah, who's turning on who, Joe? Make the prediction right now.
0: I mean, how can you predict anything? with the way
2: that they... <laughs> right, it's it's it feels like a, a, a flip of a coin at sometimes too right? a flip of like an eight-sided die where you just decide all right these these six guys are turning on these six guys like, who the fuck knows but someone's turning for sure right I, I think we can we can definitely say that so
0: and then you got a couple people who just kind of got left out of the bigger matches and it's a shame because you got nakajima kitamiya soya neo and Tadasuke. you know on the congo side just a 10-man tag against sagara gun takashi sagara sakuraba uh, Ironhead, uh, Murakami, Kendo Kashin, and Nosawa Rangai. So it's Kongo versus Sagara gun. And you kind of wish Nakajima and Sagara had a bigger role on the show. It's just not their time in the booking. So and a lot of that is, well, you bring in your Keiji Mutos and your Funakis. They're gonna take up the spots at the top of the card. You know? And and these other guys get squeezed out. And I don't know I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I know why they feel like they have to do this, but at the same time, it's like half attendance or something. You know? I don't know.
2: Yeah, this Uh, this this makes more sense in the context of a fully like okay, we need to definitely fill Phil Budikin Hall, or we definitely need the whole show seems like it, it felt like at some point they probably could have not you know changed the style of this match where you don't or this this entire show where you don't need to have all the legends in the big spots, unless you want it for the the, the purposes of you're in Budokan. So you're kind of, you know, a nod to the past or whatever, but in terms of like drawing money and selling tickets, like, I, I don't really know that you needed all this stuff for a, a half filled, but maybe they did. I don't know. I, I, it's not my money. It's not my business. So, you know, <laughs> whatever, but yeah. Why don't
0: you just do Nakajima versus Segera?
2: I mean, I feel like I'd buy tickets for that. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, are people really clamoring to buy tickets to watch Kazuyuki Fujita in a 10 man tag? I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know.
2: Maybe. But uh, not, me, not, me, not me for sure. So.
0: So we got Masaki Mochizuki and Masato Tanaka against Muhammad Yone and Tanaguchi.
2: That sounds fucking awesome. I don't know about you, so.
0: I mean, Tanaguchi, <laughs> it can you know, sometimes he looks like the worst wrestler on earth, and other times he's shockingly good. So I don't know. Yone is what he is, which is just an average pro wrestler. And the other team's really cool, but yeah, I don't know how much Taniguchi and Yone want to get kicked in the face by those two guys. I mean, so who knows? Um, and then there's some other undercard stuff Hajimi Ohara and Yohei uh, with Kai Fujimura against Atsushi Katoge, Junta Miyawaki, and Yasutaka Yano. And then um, Akitoshi Saito and Masao Inoue, because you got to get them on there for Budokan. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, the dark agents, Daike Inaba. And Kenya Okada. So, um, yeah, that's the show. I mean, I think atmosphere is going to go a long way with this one. So, and a lot of the matches have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I think, you know, a lot has to go right. I wouldn't be shocked if any of those top matches are great. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they fall apart. Now, I really don't think they should put the belt on Muto. I know a lot of people think that they will. Some of it is people doing shtick. Some of it is people really think they're going to do it. A real real shame if Shiozaki's reign ends to that guy and not someone that's a full timer on the Mm -hmm. roster. You know, I don't think it'll be the end of the world or anything. I'm not going to be mad, but. I really think Go should survive this one.
2: Yeah, I think? agree. I, I think there's a different there there's there's certainly a, a like I can listen to the case that Mudo should win and it'd be cool if Moodle won or whatever. But given what Go did in the last year and given where Noah is, you know, compared to where they were last year, I to me it reeks of desperation. It just reeks of something that a company that that isn't you know, with you know, with the arrow pointing up, like that—that's the desperation move that a company that's just struggling and kind of trying to figure out what it's going to be and who it's going to and its identity and all that sort of stuff. And this is not the problem for Noah right now. For the first time, almost in like in the last fifteen years of Noah, it's like we got it. We understand what's going on. Like we get it. We you know, Go is like the top star, definitely works, and Go is the champion, works. We know who the guys underneath are. We know who that Nakajima should probably be the one that 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 beats him eventually and and moves up the ladder. Like they have it. They have structure for the first time. It feels like forever in Pro Noah. And just going right back to Muto, just because, haha, it'd be funny if Muto was the champion. Like, I I don't know. I I don't like that. In in another era of Noah, I'm fine with it. Any other, uh, some other company, I'm fine with it. But after what the year that Go had, and the trajectory that Noah's been on, and all the the forward momentum that Noah's been on, I I think you just have a a hard fought match. Go beats him. KG gives him the stamp of approval, the handshake, and you move on with it. You, You know that I think is more than enough.
0: Yeah, that's that's how it should end in that building, especially.
2: You can I have some whole t- spots. I want some I want a shining wizard that everybody in that building thinks, oh my fucking God, Keiji is gonna beat this guy.
0: I assure you you'll get some
2: shining <laughs> You think I'll get a shining wizard or two?
0: I think you'll get or a three couple.
2: or ten uh, or twenty.
0: I don't even see the argument for Muto winning because he's not a Noah guy. No, what exactly. Like, right, right, right. He's a New Japan guy. He's not a Noah guy. You know, it's it's so I don't even see that argument. It's, I think Go should beat him. He is Noah. That's been the whole story of his run. I am Noah defending the honor of noah
2: right which would be i mean think of that think of the optics of Goshi Ozaki defending the honor of noah beating keiji muto in Budokan hall and saying here you no know, we are here we finally return to Budokan hall we're, we're, we're back from the doldrums which you know w- w- was taking over this company over the time the last between the times we were here we're here again and i am noah and noah is us and whatever and yeah that's the the symbolism of that is way better to me then fucking Kajimoto sitting in the middle of the ring doing his little, you know, <laughs> his, his pose while he's holding the GHC title. Like, I don't love that. I, I just, it's, it seems desperate to me.
0: I don't know why you go through all this effort to establish Goshio. I mean, the whole basis of the story against Fujita was him defending the honor of Noah. Right. Against an outsider. The whole basis of his reign is he is Noah. You know, and, um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see the argument to, to, to have Muto end that and win the match. I mean, if you're just bringing him in to try to pop the house, he doesn't have to, that doesn't mean he, him winning or losing the match is, doesn't, doesn't make a difference. You've already sold the tickets. So I don't know. I, I, I think they may do it. I wouldn't myself, but you know we'll see. I, I, you know I don't think it'll make an enormous difference either way. It'll just be a bummer. I think they should build someone on their roster up To eventually unseat Shiozaki. And I think that person is Keito Kiyomiya. Who they have done a great job rehabbing. This whole time. During Shiozaki's reign. And now Kiyomiya feels like a guy. Who can be an ace. Whereas the first time he had the title. He never felt like an ace. It was too soon. It felt force fed. Didn't feel natural. They fixed that. And I think ultimately. He should be the guy to beat Shiozaki. But here's the problem Rich. He already lost to Muto which is another tip-off that Muto might be winning, because then you could have Kiyomiya win the title from Muto, which both avenges his loss and puts the title back on him. And then you have that whole symbolic thing. Oh, Keito Kiyomiya beat a legend for the title. But see, I don't, I don't like that. He's, he's too old and too broken down. I'd rather just Go beat Muto and Kiyomiya beats Go.
2: Yeah, I, Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they've done such a great job. Like I said, for the first time, and it feels like literally <laughs> this entire company's history, at least since, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, it feels like for the first time ever, it's like we got a guy, we got guys underneath, we, we know we, the structure of the company is there and built. We have a star, we have young stars, we have a guys we're ready to kind of move on, you, you know, to pass that torch to. We don't have to go back to the old guys. We don't have to go back to the, like, I would just love for them to embrace that. They have it. They've worked so hard to get to this point. Don't throw it away just for a fun little Haha, Keiji Muto's our champion, like that, That I don't know that'd, that'd... I guess
0: the idea is if Kiyomiya Avenges the Because there's no reason for Kiyomiya to lose to Muto Unless he's going to beat him again at some point So I guess the idea is for him To beat Muto for the title And then in, in effect you're saving the, the Go Shiozaki match Whereas if he just beats Shiozaki Directly, you've done the match But again, I don't know, I just You know, it's, it's like New Japan has created actual stars in Japan because they don't do shit like this. Right? Exactly. You know, right. It's just it's it's I don't know. It's it's not what I would do, but they very well may do it. And Muto beating Kiyomiya to me is 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 what makes me think that Muto has a real chance to beat Shiozaki here.
2: All right, we did it. Except. We got one more segment here.
0: Oh, no, no. We have one more segment. That's right. I have a question for you, Rich.
2: I think I have an answer, but go ahead.
0: Are you ready to go bouncing around the indies?
2: The music. You can't hear the music, but it's playing. The listeners can, can hear it. So.
0: Well, I got to break k fade
2: I'm sorry. You can you listen to it, because we're, 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 we're a professional or, or operation here.
0: I absolutely can hear the music. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. The music's playing, and we're ready to bounce around various indies. Starting with Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 4.
2: Bloodsport 5. It five? <laughs> well, it's Bloodsport 5, aka Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 4.
0: Yes, but there's also Bloodsport 5.
2: Yeah, Bloodsport 5 is next weekend, which will be Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 5, which will actually be Bloodsport 6. Right. So, for people that don't know, because there was a lot of people confused on Twitter. They're like, Bloodsport 5 is next weekend, dummy. <laughs> and I was like, the joke is that Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, the original Bloodsport, is not considered, it's not in the canon of the Josh Barnett's Bloodsports.
0: According to Josh Barnett. According
2: to Josh Barnett. So Who
0: gets very gotten to. If <laughs>
2: he up. does, which I, I, I got him to retweet me saying, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 4, parentheses Bloodsport 5, because he probably thought I was promoting Bloodsport 5 coming up. But I yes. wasn't, Josh. <laughs> I was making yeah, a joke about your bad counting. So there you go. But uh, this is Josh Burnett's Bloodsport 4 uh, happening this weekend. Uh, Josh Burnett's Bloodsport 5 will be happening next weekend. And these are available to watch both on Bloodsport.watch, which is I don't know. It's their own thing. They're hosting it. That. I have no clue who's hosting it. I have no idea what's behind it. It's not fight. It's not independent wrestling TV. It's not – I don't know what the hell it is. But Bloodsport.watch, 20 bucks, or I think you can pay $35 to get uh, both uh, – four and five uh taking place in quote a bare brick setting of an undisclosed location in los angeles california uh starts at 7 p.m eastern uh your matches are diego perez versus gil guardo i don't know who those are but hey good for them uh royce isaacs versus calder mccool super Let me beast take this one. Oh,
0: super beast versus bad dude tito yeah
2: there you go your boy los angeles's finest bad dude tito TV uh, reviews call back there. Uh J.R. Kratos, Alex Coughlin, or Coughlin, or Cochlin or whatever the fuck. He says it's a different thing every time, so I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh Cal Jack versus Nolan Edward, Simon Grimm, a, a regular of the Blood Sports, Simon Grimm versus Tom Lawler, Davey Boy Smith Jr. versus Calvin Tankman, and your main event. Chris, Dirty Daddy Dickinson versus Jeff Cobb.
0: Twenty dollars is pricey. That's a- That's a lot bloodsport.watch production here. <laughs> right. You don't even know how it's going to come off or work. But uh, look, if you've seen one of these, you've seen them all. I mean, they're interesting, I guess. I
2: like them, but th- yeah, that's
0: I I think people overrate them
2: very Yeah, badly. right. Well, I think what's what's cool about Bloodsport is that it happens like a few times a year. It yeah, happens in WrestleMania different. weekend. That's cool. It's different. It's unique. I've been to one live, and it's a lot of fun. But yeah. the problem though is going to come if we're doing back to back weekends of Bloodsport. We got another Bloodsport coming up in in you know WrestleMania weekend. Like, I'm not down for that really. <laughs> like, I really, I like it as a unique thing. I don't want it every other month or, or every month or twice in in two weekends. So that it could get a little long in the tooth there, but we'll see.
0: What's interesting is a new Japan wrestler is doing an indie and. They really pull, they pulled all of their guys from doing indies when the pandemic hit that, that, that weren't in that little building in Port Huerte, California. Like They let them work the the, the promotion um, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood that shares that studio with them, like Fred, Carl Fredericks and people like that. But Ren Narita got pulled from the indies, and none of the Young Lions worked outside of that studio in California. But here... We have Alex Coughlin working an indie show. Now, he's working a New Japan adjacent talent with JR Kratos, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. been working strong. And it's an undisclosed location. It's probably that building. Oh, I'm it's sure it is. They yeah, going?
2: I'm sure they put a maybe a, a brick wall <laughs> around it, a fake brick wall, but uh, it's probably the same. Yeah. yeah, it's probably the same location.
0: Because New Japan hasn't let their guys leave that building during right. the pandemic. They've been very careful about that, because remember, Renerita was working like Black Label Pro and all these different, and that that they snuffed that out. So, to me, this is a clue with Alex Coughlin that that's where it's going to take place, especially considering his opponent and the fact that they're saying it's in and around Los Angeles
2: i think the same thing uh, applies as well to chris dickinson and jeff cobb too you know what i mean it's not jeff cobb versus bad dude tito you know what i mean like it's it's right. it's, it's guys that they believe and trust are facing guys that that are at least you know you know Jared kratos they trust him to go with, you know, with Coughlin and then jeff cobb too who you know obviously new japan adjacent and chris dickinson who's showed up on sport and whatnot so um yeah. guys that they trust for sure
0: yeah dickinson and kratos are a uh, new japan adjacent guys yeah absolutely you know, they're not putting them in there. They're not allowing them to wrestle whoever Calder McCall is. You know, they're you know so, yeah, they're, 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 it's very interesting. I didn't even make that connection with Dickinson Cobb. I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Uh, WrestleMania weekend starting to take shape here as we got matches. Yes, there might be a global pandemic going on, but don't tell that to the state of Florida or WrestleMania weekend because we got two independent wrestling groups, units, Collectives, If you want to call them that uh, Forming here uh, During Wrestlemania weekend The first one we'll talk about here A brand new one uh, Joining the fray here Independent Wrestling TV's Showcase of the Independents uh, Of course uh, The Collective Slash GHC Or, or GCW And uh, Independent Wrestling TV Have had their issues uh, As of late So that is a, a A dirty breakup That's going on right now So IWTV is doing Their own thing During Wrestlemania weekend Separate from GCW And The Collective uh, the Promotions announced so far Action Wrestling And ICW No Holds Barred, Beyond Wrestling, Super Underground Pro, Pit Fighter X. I don't know what Pit Fighter X is, but they're going to be there. Uh, Synergy Wrestling, No Peace Underground, and more on the uh, IWTV Showcase of the Independent. So before I go over the collective, which is also, of course, hosting WrestleMania weekend shows, uh, what what do you think of now two different uh, sort of indie collectives, conglomerates, whatever you want to call them, uh, appearing on WrestleMania weekend?
0: Well, we've seen this happen before with these splits. I mean, the collective itself was a spin, you know, spun off of the WWN thing years ago and everything else. So, look, these promoters can only get along for so long. I think Pit Fighter X might be their answer to Bloodsport.
2: I think you're probably on the sure. money there, yes.
0: <laughs> it's also interesting to see how the promotions uh fanned out. Like obviously the IWTV was gonna have all the verse promotions like action. But also, I see beyond. Yeah, I was kind of
2: surprised. Beyond uh, jumping ship, so. I think the one company that I circled as as the the, the ship jumper uh, over them all, synergy as well, because synergy has done stuff with the collective in the past, and they, they jump yeah. ship, quote unquote, jump ship here again. Like, I I don't know I don't know how drawn the battle lines are. <laughs> I think there's probably certain aspects that are, are are battle line drawn, but I don't know if like. But uh, either way, yeah, beyond, beyond doing the mix And, and, and Synergy uh, jumping into it I thought were, were definitely pretty interesting So, But
0: well, when it takes you 10 months to pay back The deposits from last year's Wrestlemania well, yeah <laughs> And maybe, you know, places are going to jump ship And you look at the collective And it's basically all You know, game changer Shows that are branded You know, like For the Culture, Bloodsport The Big Gay Brunch Spring Break generation F, the Hot Girl shit, Alley Cat. Um, those are all GCW shows just branded. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, we've been over that a million times. Um, but then they have the VXS, which ended up on their side, and uh, one or two other minor promotions that are sticking with the Collective and Game Changer. So. And then Fake Game Changer is running again as well. Oh, that's right.
2: The- I forgot I to forgot add Fake Game Changer. Yeah, they're, they're in... Uh I they're they're being bold as usual. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> so you know They're I don't know I forgot what they were talking about. Something about masks or I don't know. They're just like they're they just can't just can't help But who's themselves. gonna they're go to these so shows like, weird?
0: Who's, who's traveling this year to WrestleMania with all this going on? You can't even come in from a foreign country. Right. And from a lot of foreign countries and who do they think that? what kind of crowds they think they're going to draw.
2: I I think they're going to do, I mean, they're going to get people, obviously. I mean, they did for the collective in Indianapolis and that was, you know, even more during a worst worst part of the pandemic. I mean, it's going to be those kind of people, but um, I don't know. It is, it's definitely interesting. And I'm, I'm very, very, very curious what the crowds look like. I know uh, the collective have said that they're going to do like 20 or 30% capacity for their arena or whatnot, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It is, it is definitely weird. And, and the idea of, of traveling, uh, pro-wrestling shows, I don't know, it's 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 tough to, to sell right now, especially multiple traveling pro-wrestling shows that, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, Fake JCW is, uh, they're doing the We Run This Town, which was their thing uh, last year as well, so uh, they'll be at the Egyptian Shriners Club on uh, on April 9th, so, whole day of events for Fake JCW, so. Be there! <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I'm okay, but <laughs> Thanks anyway, Joe. Uh, so that's that. But all right, let's 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 finish this segment. It's bouncing around the indies here. With Melbourne City Wrestling, Homecoming 2021, February 6th, 2021. is available on Vimeo as well, Melbourne City Wrestling or MCW. Uh, They have a brand new Vimeo channel due to some things I guess we'll talk about here in a bit. Uh, In the wake of uh, the Speaking Out, uh, somewhat new company, a little bit new ownership, a little bit new people running uh, the show there in uh, MCW. Uh, New production, new ownership, new announcers, a new video thing on Vimeo. Uh, but overall, like a lot of the names are going to be familiar names that we've talked about in years past with, with Australian wrestling. But uh, they're they're charting a new path here. And this is a hell of a fun show. I really enjoyed watching this one.
0: I mean, it's not it's kind of a new company. But from what I understand, you know, the owner threw his hands with the speaking out stuff and he sold it to the guys that were running the training school. So it's not like completely new voices. Right, right, right. It's still people that were always involved with MCW to begin with. Now, you're going to get slightly different visions. I mean, it's very similar to when Mike Elgin sold Glory Pro to Danny Adams, a.k.a. Dan the Dad. Or if Tony Khan just said, I've had enough of this wrestling thing, and he sold it to QT, Marshall, and Cody. It's, it's new owners, but it's the same. It, it's still people that were involved to begin with. So it's not like a complete different promotion. It's all the same wrestlers with the exception of Dowie James, who is kind of sitting it out for now with, you know, until the speaking out, whatever. I don't know enough about, I'm not getting into his accusations. Cause I don't know enough about it, but till the dust settles on what he was involved in, he's out, but, um, and the old owners out, but it's the same wrestlers, the same title lineages, the same storylines. And they're basically unpaused from where they left off last year when we were really getting into this promotion. So, I watched part of this show. You watched the whole thing. It felt like the old MCW to me, with the exception of some different production quirks and whatnot. So um, I really liked what I saw. So you want to talk about the production, though?
2: Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, obviously looking like it was, uh, you know, new cameras that were bought in the last, you know, five years is, is a plus. They they kind of had a little bit of the not necessarily all the way riptide uh, in in terms of the cinematic feel. Uh, but a little bit more like defy wrestling in, in, in America where you know you fill the arena with a little bit of smoke you you use some nice cameras you do some and they tried some interesting shots and not all of them landed some of them were a little weird. they did try to get a little too close uh, on, on some of the shots and they ended up missing some of the action and the, the you know depth of the field as it was kind of blurry uh, sometimes so they, they definitely a work in progress but I thought ultimately they tried some new things they tried to shoot wrestling a little bit different than everybody shoots wrestling and I appreciate that I I, I did not mind it and I don't think it took away from me and I think it's going to be it's going to be something that a lot of people uh do have to adjust to just because it is different it is unique from what you get and pretty much 90% of wrestling is shot exactly the same so uh was it perfect no but I, I appreciated their effort here uh and I do think with a little bit of, of seasoning and, and a few more reps uh that their production could be uh, among the best in the, in the entire world pretty soon
0: Yeah um I thought the production was very good I saw complaints that people You know, they missed a lot of shots. The production was bad. The cut that I saw looked good. I I don't know. Um, So I don't have any complaints about the production or the commentary or anything like that. I thought it looked like a slick professional production. And like we talked about at the top, I think this comes across like uh, a classy indie. I mean, it's a nice setup. And uh, they got the nice video screen. They have major league looking uh, talent. Uh, they have you know major league working. I mean, guys like Adam Brooks and Slex are major league talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they have.
2: Uh, I think a few of the people, maybe all of them, have uh, have like their own themes as well. Like they have a production company that's like making their themes for them too. So uh, that was cool. So
0: yeah, I mean, this is uh, what we were really getting into this promotion last year when the world shut down. And based on what I've seen off of this show, I'm back into them again. Oh, this for is sure. They immediately shoot to the – We always pick on indie wrestling, but. This is a promotion that shoots to the top of my list in interest. I will watch every show, just like I watch every RevPro show right now. Um, and there's a Rev Pro show that just happened last weekend that I need to catch up on. But, um, you know, th- these guys, every show they run, I'm going to watch them because they impressed me last year. And with the new reconfigured ownership that we spoke about, this show impressed me as well. Uh, let's talk about the main event. Adam Brooks against Slex, Three Stages of Hell, Traditional rules. Oh, Slex, comma the business. Thank you. I wasn't or, sure if that was the
2: same guy or the business, comma Slex, which they called him today on the show. They are
0: was- calling him the business, comma Slex,
2: which I don't like. I like Slex, the business more than the I business have Slex. Known him
0: yeah, as Slex, comma the business. Right.
2: That's badass.
0: His Twitter is at Slex the business. Right. You can't you can't have a comma on Twitter, but I believe. He is Slex, comma the business, and that's how I am going to refer okay, to him. Okay, I before. will too.
2: So if they want to, they want to say it's the other way, they can go fuck off because that's the way we're going to call him. Go ahead.
0: Yes. So Slex, comma the business. Thank you. Wins wins the first fall traditional rules with his uh, rear naked choke. He has some gimmick name for it. The the buyouts or some kind of business theme name for it. I forget what he calls it, but um, you know, excellent first fall. Uh, this really felt like you know what this match felt like? It felt like prime two thousand seven work rate ROH is what this felt like. Ironically two ROH contracted wrestlers, yeah. but really enjoyed that first fall. And then it was time for false count anywhere and I thought you know okay, uh, I'm not
2: your comp is perfect and I know we're kinda of, we're, we're low on time, but it reminded yeah. me of like an undercard like a Roderick Strong versus Eric Stevens, like two thousand seven undercard match, you know? Yeah. Just fucking yeah. Boom, 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 bomb, 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 big work, you know, big moves, big, you know, spots, you know, big, like, but not like, oh, not just doing shit. You know what I mean? Like real, like yeah. real had a real impact and a real weight to it, too. So, no, that's that perfect comp.
0: The kind of wrestling we like. Yes.
2: The shit that what I love. Yeah.
0: You know, and with two guys who look like professionals and look like stars and work like it. I mean, is that too much to ask? Oh God,
2: no, dude. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm glad you said it, but yeah, that was the thing that I that and the reason I didn't want to call them in India is because their guys actually look like they've worked out. Their guys actually look like wrestlers. Their guys look like stars. I mean, Slex looks like a million fucking bucks. They do that promo video with him, and he's got his nice glasses. He's dressed to the nines because he selects the fucking business. You know what I mean? He's not showing up in a goddamn t-shirt. He's not showing up in a fucking uh, a hoodie. He selects the fucking business, man. You know what I mean? Like big entrance. Yeah, he's got the big entrance, the good sunglasses. He looks like a million bucks and, and Brooks comes out there with his great music and there's smoke everywhere and he comes out just like boom 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 and yeah it's was too this is what pro wrestling are is. And, and these are what go. wrestlers are yes
0: yes and they can go they're not out there you know blowing spots left and right and and working sloppy like the mess like, like the you know all that shit that we saw on the 24-hour deal where people convince themselves that it's good but it's not you know what i mean this is a, this was like my god this was such an eye-opener and a breath of fresh air when it comes to indie wrestling to watch a match like this. So they go into the falls count anywhere and I'm thinking, all right, I'm probably not going to like this because they're going to walk and brawl. No, this fucking rule. No, holds- the
2: no, no holds barred part was the best. I love this part of the match.
0: They did the Davey Eddie spot, the superflex. I know. I didn't
2: want to spoil it for you. I, I, I alluded to it a little bit on Twitter and alluded to it a little bit on our, uh, are Slack, but I did not want to spoil it for you because I knew you'd love it. And then I I pop up on Twitter today and I see just all caps. They did the Davey's (laughs) spot.
0: Slex hits the superplex and and it wasn't the exact replica. And then Brooks, you know, no sells it, picks him up. And on the opposite side of the ring, he suplexes Slack's out of the ring. I was losing my shit. I rewound it four times. What a spot. Um, They said they did the gimmick where they set up the table and then you forget that the table has been set up. And then uh, Brooks got flipped over the top rope, and uh, and went through the table. Just an incredible spot. And at this point in the match, I'm thinking, this is a mu- this is a fucking match of the year contender. How is nobody talking about this match? This match is fucking awesome. Okay. And Brooks wins the second fall by coming off the top of the ladder with the senton. He kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, "Fuck it." And he does the uh, the senton or whatever you want to call it, the flip dive off the top of the ladder through Slex, pins him on top of the ladder. We're tied at one. And then we have our ladder match with the uh, belt hanging from the rafters, and um, it seems like we have the same take. This segment of the match went a little too long.
2: It did, yeah. I was really, I was like, man, this has been a perfect match. Like, I'm ready to really like go on the show and talk about my god, Joe, the match that you like. And it just it the it just kept going and going and going and going and you have too many tints and a little bit too many teases. I love the effort in this match. I love what they did. And I understand them trying to make this third part like a really big deal and a really fun you know important deal. But yeah, it just went a little too long for me. And and it was it was trending towards like one of my favorite matches of the year. And in the end, it's just going to be a very 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 good match that I really enjoyed. Uh, because that third fall did kind of drag a little bit. so
0: This was trending towards match-in-a-year contender. It didn't kill the match by any means. I went four and a half. Brooks wins the latter portion and thus uh, wins the match. Uh, better than anything by far on the New Japan shows, for a point of reference. The best – I can't I can't remember the last American indie match that was this good. I mean, this was just – it actually was so good and the work was so good. And these two guys are so good that it makes the American Indies look even worse when I watch a match like this. And I'm like, oh, this is what good wrestling looks like. I'm reminded. I'm reminded what great wrestling looks right, like. And it's
2: not that and- hard either. You can do it with not, th- you know, you don't need a million dollar budget to buy some cameras that were made in this century and to have guys that look like they work out or wear good, decent gear or care about their craft or try or don't fucking blow all their spots. It's not that hard. We just, we've accepted that, it's, that it is and it's it's fucking not. So this is awesome.
0: Yeah so uh absolutely uh, you know just just a great match um uh, high you know strongest recommendation i think that everyone listening should go seek it out and um you know if they hadn't gone a little a tad too long in the latter portion you're talking about a match to your contender anything to add rich
2: uh no i think you're good
0: okay i'll talk we'll go through the card quickly I'll, and there's a couple of matches i didn't see so you'll be on your own but uh, we had Richie Taylor against Iman the Kid and Royce Chambers to open things up. Iman the Kid is a guy that I've seen. He works Southeast Asian shows that people send me. I've reviewed some of his matches. Um, you know, he's you know one of the best guys from that part of the world. But obviously, they're a little behind the rest of the world. But he didn't really look out of place here. Richie Taylor, I wasn't very familiar with coming in. And, of course, there's Royce Chambers, who I think is going to be a worldwide superstar before long yeah this so. year
2: the, the 2020 absolutely sucked because Royce Chambers was going to break out I really do think that and was going to work a ton of different places and be a dump just didn't work out for him but uh, yeah, I guess was a decent opener um I, I enjoyed it but uh yeah it, it, it all, they didn't get a ton of time to kind of showcase their skills but that's fine you, you saw what everybody was capable of uh in this match so so I enjoyed it
0: yeah Royce Chambers is eventually going to break out big he's going to be a worldwide star I thought he uh he, he improved his look here I think uh, his body's in better shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought he had more professional looking gear than he did this time last year. And he really wasn't the featured guy uh, so much in this match. But um, look, y- you know, he's, he's a guy who I am. I have no doubt in my mind that at some point he is going to be a worldwide breakout star and he's going to be divisive because he does flips. So there's going to be people who say that he stinks and he doesn't sell and all this. And then there's going to be smart people who recognize that, you know, he's going to be a breakout worldwide star and he's going to be a household name before long. Uh, Danny Psycho against Edward Dusk. This is my second or third time seeing Danny Psycho. I think third time. And I know he's a veteran of the scene. He should be on TV. I love this guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He is. I agree. He's got a great look. He knows how to work. He's got size. And no one's asking me. But if someone did, I'd recommend him for television today. I'd recommend that WWE or AEW or Ring of Honor sign this guy and use him today. I'm not talking about a guy on AEW Dark getting beat every week. Like, sign him and use him. I I am blown away every time I see this guy. I mean, he should be on TV.
2: Yeah, it's a cool story, too, because he's been wrestling for, you know... 10-15 10-15 years at this point too He kind of transformed himself from like this like Weird pseudo emo punk rock kid Into what he is now but yeah he looks good he, he, He's solid as fuck like he's a Great TV wrestler he, he definitely projects As a good TV wrestler so yeah I, I definitely find A way to use him
0: And you know this was a match with a backstory they did a great Job explaining all the stories on the show With their full beautiful HD video packages and everything Else is a professional production So if you don't know what's going on between Psycho and Dusk you did by the time the match hit Little on the melodramatic side as far as the match goes. Dusk could have beaten him, but he chose not to. He wanted and to get then, the
2: uh, evil out. He wanted Danny Psycho to be evil, and then when he, you know, when Danny Psycho yeah. finally got evil, he smiled. You know, what I mean, he beat him and and, and he smiled because he finally he tapped into that, uh, you know, the deep inside of Danny Psycho. So yeah, a little melodramatic, but I appreciated it. And they they at least did a good job of setting the stage for it. So
0: yeah, and then we had the uh, tag team title match, the Brat Pack. Uh, defeat the natural classics, the uh, Philippe brothers, who people may be familiar with, New Japan adjacent, uh, tag team there. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was fine. I mean, you know, the work was okay. It didn't blow me away. This is the last match on the show that I saw, so I'm just gonna have to set you up on the other two. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. But, uh, Brat Pack is a tag team and they're accompanied to the ring by Avery, the lovely Avery. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. uh, Wrestled
0: later on on the show. Uh, I love Avery. She does that, uh, uh, that gimmick where it's like she has daddy issues is the gimmick. Like <laughs> yes, the, the best way that I could put it. I think <laughs> yes. that's how she refers to it, right? You know, yeah, right. uh, you know, you know. So it's like uh, the kind of girl that JL would date.
2: Yeah, I was gonna like, say, yeah, like, JL sees you know, a, a lot uh, in, in Avery for sure. So
0: I've been through a few Averys. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But uh, she accompanies the brat pack to the ring, and they bring a lot of energy when they. That's did we didn't even bring that up. How about an arena? How about a not an arena, but how about a building full of people cheering and clapping and and it was a real wrestling show. I
2: know it. It was kind of like, what am I watching? Is this from this like this era, the, the era we're living in? And, and it was so.
0: You know, you had a couple people wearing masks here and there, but this basically was just a wrestling show with a crowd and fans. Because Australia has done a good job with the pandemic, so you know the Australian Open's going on right now. Same thing, people in the stands watching tennis, cheering, going about their business. You know, close to as normal as possible. It's great to see. Watching this show, what it told me, is when real wrestling comes back, people are going to just, it just, man, you forget. You forget how great it is yeah. to have wrestling wrestling's with a real good.
2: crowd. Yeah, wrestling's good.
0: You know, and it helped this show so much. But um, what'd you think of Caveman Ugg against Mike uh, Broderick?
2: Ugg is what I thought of it. Uh, it is bad. It's like a shitty comedy match. Uh, I, I it, so it wasn't like terrible, terrible, but definitely one that I I would don't go back and rewatch this one. You you, you missed. I'm nothing. probably gonna yeah. skip
0: it. You're telling yeah. me it's comedy. I don't want nothing exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, it. just skip um,
2: it. It's not worth it.
0: And then the other match, which I also did not see, was Avery, the aforementioned Avery, successfully defending her women's title against Skylar Cruz. I've been super impressed with Avery. I think she's someone that just like Danny Psycho I think if I'm AEW, I'm I'm interested in Avery. How'd she look here?
2: Avery looked great. Uh, Skylar Cruz I'm sure she's very nice but uh, Skylar Cruz was pretty bad and they I think they knew she wasn't very good because they kept this thing to like six minutes but uh, Avery is really really good Uh, as you said like a really uh, great charisma great uh, you know she had a a good crowd connection here bounces around the ring like crazy I mean she is really 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 good and I'm really I'm, I'm really excited to see her throughout the rest of this year Uh, Because I think that she's got a ton of talent. And and, and this match, I mean, she so carried this match. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good match at all. Because Skyler was really, really bad. Like, really, really horrendously bad. But uh, uh, Avery, is is, 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 she's the goods. So uh, she 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 was able to make this pretty good. Yeah,
0: She has so much charisma. I mean, world's back to normal. I'm somebody like Ring of Honor, who already obviously have their eyes on the scene. If I'm AEW. Avery, Royce Chambers and Danny Psycho, yes. I, I'm giving mm-hmm. them a look I mean, those three...
2: Yeah, we already got Brooks You already got Slex, I mean, as far as yeah. From MCW, yeah, the, yeah, I'm bringing Royce Chambers in, I'm de- bringing Danny Psycho in I'm bringing Avery in, uh, I'm bringing Brooks and Slex, for sure
0: they're, they're major league, you know, and Brooks is, again Ring of Honor already has their tentacles Here with Brooks and Slex um, You know, I, those Three, though, I think are major league for sure But um, what I've seen of the show was Very good, and um, back in, and I'm going to keep up with them. And this is what we talked about last week. It's like just. You know, maybe we just need some new indies to sink our teeth into, and there's a couple other we have our eyes on. Yeah, yeah. Some talking.
2: people sent us some yeah. and some recommendations. There's actually one that I watched like two matches from, but I don't have enough to to, to talk about. But uh, yeah. I, I we are listening to you guys, and don't worry, we are we are watching it. But so um, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 gonna watch some indies that I enjoy or or want to enjoy or I think might be good if you know people tell people that I respect tell me they're good. I'm I'm gonna check them out. So um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, more positive indie talk moving forward on the show. So that's it. We did it. Went a little late, but <laughs> that's alright. Happens. so. <sighs> that's it for us. Anyway, alright. Voice wrestling.com slash Patreon. That was a very abrupt uh, way to fade out the uh, the headstrong there, but anyway. Uh, that has been Bouncing Around the Innies and that has been the episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Po- Voiceofwrestling.com at uh, wrestling on Twitter. com slash Patreon. That's it. We gotta go. Joe Lanza, Rich Grage. Talk to you later.